This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everyone and welcome to the Super J Cast. It's Tuesday the 16th of November and this is episode 185. Your ears are not deceiving you, this is a different voice. I am not Joel. My name is Alan, one of your guest hosts for today. And alongside me is Booze Leprechaun, or but under a government name, it's Nicole. Nicole, how are you? I am good, Alan. How are you doing? Doing well. Feeling good to get back on the, uh, the podcasting bandwagon, even if we are only doing this for, for one week. See, that's where I'm getting confused, because the whole bonus episode, I can't see we're already pulling a Joel and Damon and talking, you know, shop business. <laughs> but uh, I, I got completely confused as to whether we're doing two weeks and there'll be a bonus episode of other people giving their reviews of specific matches or if it's just next week, it's just going to be nothing. It's just going to be that episode of people giving their reviews of bonus matches. So I guess we'll, uh, we'll find out, but outside of that, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm excited and nervous and I'm feeling like a young lion, uh, about to get my, my ass handed to me by Yuji Nagata for five minutes straight. Well, I mean, we can leave the decision as to whether we come back again. I think we, we can leave that to the, uh, to the fans on Reddit. I know they'll, they'll be, They'll be voicing their opinions by the time we finish and get this out. Um, just as a quick introduction for, for those listeners uh, that obviously haven't heard our voices before. So my name is is Alan, as I previously said. I got into New Japan following the, the big kind of six-star classic between Okada and Omega, and that was at Wrestle Kingdom 11. And then a year later, me and Joel were at our first Wrestle Kingdom in Tokyo. So, you know, it just kind of all stemmed from there. My love of New Japan kind of just grew and grew and grew and uh yeah i've watched it ever since um how, how did did you get into to this lovely world of new japan so i've been watching wrestling off and on since the early 80s i'm going to show my age when i state that we had one of those satellite dishes that looks like something that you could try and scope aliens with now and so i have memories of us possibly pirating WrestleMania three unintentionally because the way those satellite dishes would work, it'd be like this big control knob and you would just find different satellites and different channels on them. And we somehow stumbled onto that um, and then watched it on and off. So I was definitely watching the, the Monday night wars between WCW and WWE when I was in college. Um, and then on the new Japan side, I'm a big fan of MVP and I'm an unapologetic fan of uh, Sean Waltman, one, two, three kid. That's how I got into him initially. Um, most of you probably still know more of his X-Pac um, gimmick days. Um, and, and both of their podcasts were talking about Nakamura as somebody who could break out from NXT. And I'm like, okay, I trust these guys. Let me go, go do some Nakamura hunting on YouTube. So the first match I found was Nakamura AJ, Wrestle Kingdom 10. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I can see why, why they're talking about him. This is great. And then you go start going down the YouTube rabbit hole, 
And initially it was pointing me towards like Nakamura, Marafuji tag matches in Noah. And I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is really kind of interesting too. And I like Marif- I'm starting to get into this Marafuji cat. And then YouTube goes, hey, would you like to watch um, Ibushi Nakamura Wrestle Kingdom 9? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll watch that. And that just opened my eyes. There's the spot where Ibushi lamps Nakamura right on the ear with the high kick. Nakamura goes down. He's staring glassy-eyed. Red Shoes is, you know, trying to check on him. Shinsuke, Shinsuke. And Nakamura still still staring in the middle distance. And I got worked. And I remember sitting there going, oh, my God, did I just watch this guy get knocked the fuck out? And then I had to go, wait, you just watched him the next year be perfectly fine in the match against AJ. So, no, he, he doesn't get knocked the fuck out. But I appreciated that at my age, I, I could still get worked by wrestling and get caught up into the moment. And that's just kind of where it went from there. And then YouTube took me down the Ibushi rabbit hole. And that's pretty that that just opened my world to, to so many things. Um, but that's and then. That's basically it for me with New Japan. Um, at the time, I couldn't afford World. I was working part-time. Um, so I didn't get World until 2018. Right, okay. I mean, with, with World and watching New Japan on there, I suppose that brings us to, to one of the few questions that we actually got on Twitter uh, from a guy called Eric Missio. He asked how we both watch New Japan. Do we watch everything? Do we just watch the big shows? Or, or just selective main events or with our personal favorites and do we rewatch things or, or just watch it live? Um, I mean, for me, uh, over, over the, over the last kind of year or two, I've, I've drifted away from the road to shows unless there's a, a big match on, on the, uh, on the main event or title match. Uh, but generally it's just the, the big events and I watch strong every week. Um, I think that's, that's kind of my main new Japan, uh, how I'm watching it. Um, what about yourself? Um, I, I was initially like consuming everything and trying to take it all in because um, I had more time then. Mm. And then so that was kind of like I judge it by pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. And then once the pandemic started, obviously, you know, the product kind of changed a little bit, but all our worlds changed a little bit. And I started getting more of the mindset of, if I'm not enjoying it or it's not fully riveting me, there's no reason for me to get up and watch it live. Cause that's how I was doing everything. I was just be like, all right, let me set the alarm and I'm going to, I'm going to watch this road to Kazuna, you know, Kazuna <laughs> road night five. Yeah. Um, and I just don't do that anymore. Um, now I still do that with the G one, which is absolutely insane. And each year I go, okay, next year I'm not going to do this. And then, then I do it. And I think then, even even this year with the G one, I know it's not been uh, its best, but I mean, uh, watching every single every single show and every single match as part of the tournament, it's it's almost like a must. Like you, you've just got to be able. It's the G one. You've got to stick with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, because even G one night. 13 and Beppu or, or wherever <laughs> it's still odds are good. You're at least going to get like good matches, maybe not a match of the year contender, but they're all except for the evil matches. Um, they're, they're still, you know, something to kind of sink your teeth into something to latch on to. I think this is where Kevin Kelly 
came in to um, to help tremendously to create that buzz and that mm-hmm. desire to watch these shows. And I'm so thankful that he he got on the plane, unlike some of the wrestlers, <laughs> um, to, to to help make G1 um, what it is, which is a special month long grueling tournament yeah the g1 is something special even even when it's not if that makes sense it's just something that you've got to to follow and having that english commentary i think really made the difference and i think we're we'll we'll, maybe we'll talk about it a little bit later on but i think we're seeing that with the world tag league slash best of super juniors that the lack of english commentary at least live uh, is making a difference uh, and it will make a difference to a lot of people on how they view view the tournament Definitely. Um, Side note, we forgot to do something already, and we probably should have done this, which is to congratulate Joel and Mally on the birth of Arthur. Yeah, I can't. I can't believe we forgot to do that. So yeah, Joel, thank you. For, well, thank you for letting us take over for, for a week. And um, yeah, congratulations to both you and Mally on on the birth of uh, of baby Arthur. If you follow Joel on Instagram. Uh, you'll have seen pictures of of the beautiful little baby, and it seems that baby and mum are both doing really well. And uh, we wish the whole family all the best from both us, and obviously from everyone out there listening as part of the Super J Cast. And uh, definitely, let's throw flowers Mally's way. I know last week uh, Damon was definitely congratulating uh, Joel and his sperm, but let's be on- <laughs> but but let's be honest. At best, Joel probably did about five minutes worth of work. <laughs> and Molly did the other nine months of work. So I, 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 I got to throw uh, some flowers Molly's way for, for doing all the hard work two times now. <laughs> you know, um, I, I will, I will hundred percent back you on that one because uh, just my, my wife is now uh, approaching eight months pregnant. Um, we're during January. So I know exactly how uh, easy my life is compared to how much struggle and how much hassle she's going through. So Mally, you have my utmost sympathy. Well done on, uh, on managing that twice. <laughs> <laughs> and congratulations to you. I did not realize there was a, a baby Alan coming along the way so uh, a baby alan or baby danielle yes uh, we, oh, we, nice. we don't know we don't know what it's going to be yet so that'll be a, a nice surprise when the time comes good deal but yeah let's i just realized oh we should probably you know address the reason why we're and and congratulations to damon on getting on a plane and going <laughs> on vacation and probably being you know incredibly deep in the mai tais by this point in the beer Yes, he'll be listening to this half drunk um, on a sun lounge or somewhere. Isn't it Mexico he's going? I believe so. Yeah. Well, Damon, if you are listening, which I'm assuming you are, uh, again, thank you for allowing us to to take over for a week. And enjoy your holiday. Enjoy your rest. And enjoy those beers. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I've got some uh, news, actually. I think uh, we can crack straight on with some of the, uh, some of the important stuff. Uh, listeners will know that uh, a few weeks back, Joel announced that the Super J cast was sponsoring a player at Concord Rangers, which is a football club in uh, the southeast of England uh, that I myself am a part of. I'm the, uh, the match day program editor, and I'm a member of the committee there. Uh, and uh, we... Sp- Players get sponsored every season just to 
you know, it gives a bit more money to the club and it also highlights local companies or, or people that want to kind of to, to put money in to back the club. So I put some money into the club and sponsor a player every season. Uh, a couple of seasons ago on my old podcast, I sponsored a, a player on behalf of the Smartcast. Um, and this year I've sponsored a player and we uh, I spoke to Joel and he agreed to happily put the Jcast name across. So we were sponsoring uh, a young lad called Billy Cracknell. Uh, people have seen the updates on Twitter, and Joel put an update a little while back on this very podcast. Um, since then, however, uh, Billy has been recalled. He was uh, he was only with Concord Rangers on loan uh, from Colchester United, another team in the uh, in the southeast of England. Uh, so they've they've taken him back. So now the sponsorship was left vacant uh, so instead we're now sponsoring a, a player called Lamar Reynolds he's a striker for Concord Rangers and he's actually one of our uh, more prolific strikers as well he scored in uh, not a last game but the game before against the team that was leading the league when at the time so it was Concord Rangers they won 1-0 thanks to, to a goal from Lamar so uh, yeah we're switching the focus over to a different player now but uh, the Jcast name will be associated with every goal that he scores uh, and every time he gets a, a man of the match award uh, when he's uh, when he's playing for the Mighty Beach Boys very nice so so the sponsorship do we do we get like letters from Lamar is this kind of like a Sally Struthers <laughs> thing where we'll get like little updates and get get letters and photos of how he's progressing and shout outs and things like that how does this work basically I provide Joel with the uh, the update of how Lamar is playing um, and each time that Lamar as I say either scores for Concord or has a man of the match performance the Concord Rangers socials will oh, excuse me will mention that he's sponsored by the Super J cast uh, it's also in the match day program so anyone who buys a program when they go to a game will see next to Lamar's name that he's sponsored by the Super J cast and uh, and the same on the club website as well so anytime someone goes to the club website and looks at his bio, it will say that uh, the mighty Super J cast is sponsoring Lamar Reynolds. Oh, that's excellent. Very nice. Uh, All see, the best. Uh, I was going to say, I'll see if we can get him to do a stinger. I think Joel mentioned that on the last episode. Um, see if we can get yeah, I'm Lamar Reynolds and you're listening to the Super J cast. I just, I just want video of that and then you having to explain <laughs> to him what the Super J cast is. I can imagine the confusion on his face already. <laughs> Excellent. Um, a couple of other little bits of news to talk about. Um, the New Japan or New NJPW is reaching its 50th anniversary and uh, they announced uh, a couple of days ago uh, with the president, Takami Obari. Uh, he was joined by Tanahashi, Makabe and Honma uh, to announce the details of what they're doing for the 50th anniversary. So we've got a new commemorative logo. Uh, it looks very snazzy. Um, there's some uh, events that they're doing for the first quarter of the year. Um, there's uh, an exhibit that they're running at the Tokyo Dome with a load of historical, uh, art, well, I say artifacts, but bits, you know, items from from New Japan's history, including a pair of match-worn uh, Andre the Giant boots as well, which is quite cool. Uh, and the um, the January tour is being called the Golden Series, which is a throwback to the early years of New Japan. And, uh, and I suppose the most interesting thing, I think, for me is the uh, 
the fact that New Japan will be collaborating with 50 different companies uh, to create specific products, such as the uh, LIJ gaming chairs and the uh, mind-produced golf bags. There'll be uh, New Japan golf bags out there. So there's, you know, finding these random products like the gaming chairs and the and the golf bags could be quite in, quite uh, interesting as as uh, as the year progresses. Um, did you uh, take anything from that? Anything interest you on that? Um, with, with the gaming chairs, does does it come with a handle or a little side pouch for the tissues when Naito? Naito's knee shreds again, or <laughs> you know, Sonata fails to win another title. Does does it have that handy for people? I believe it's wiped clean. <laughs> nice, good, good. Um, yeah, let me just let me just you know enrage all the Lij fans while I'm at it too. Let's just get everybody. Um, my, I think the biggest takeaway for me was that in basically. Um, Two months. There's going to be like five major shows. If yeah, that's right, so it all kind of culminating at least the maybe the first quarter's worth of of this anniversary stuff, culminating with if I was if, if I was reading that right, anniversary at back at Budokan. Yes, the March the first and second back to back nights celebrating the fiftieth anniversary and in the Nippon Budokan. So that's so I I look at that and I'm thinking, man, how are we booking those shows? You can't have. I'm going to presume that Okada is is going to walk out of the 500 Nights of Wrestle Kingdom with mm. the with multiple belts because everybody's got to have a belt now. And um, what what, what I'm, I'm interested to see how those five shows, including two nights at Budokan get booked and is it as much of a mess as last year kind of was trying to find worthy main events for these kind of b plus level shows Mm. that then kind of got elevated to an a level um that that's probably that's my biggest takeaway are are these shows and how that's going to pan out and i'm just hoping that it makes more sense and is booked a little more solid than um, the same time period was for this year. Well, I mean, hopefully, or uh, at least maybe they're, they're they're kind of relying on the fact that things will open up even more. Obviously, we know that that people are going to be able to start going back to Japan. Uh, they had they announced that was it last week or the week before. We're going to start seeing like people going back for work and things like that. So, hopefully, by February uh, and early March, that. You know, you can see some big, na- bigger names from elsewhere in the wrestling world go over and, and just kind of give us some some fresh and new matches that we've not seen in the last two years of of, of the limited roster. Or at least get the strong guys in, because um, obviously trying to get visas for everybody. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine there is a massive visa backlog in Japan, so it's just a matter of, you know, can these visas get pushed through? in a timely manner to, to at least get, get some of the strong guys in, you know, get, get Mr. Fred Rosser in and and some uh, Tom Lawler, um, West coast wrecking crew, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody that Joel and Damon have been talking about wanting to see if we can at least just get those guys over. I'm not even looking at, you know, getting guys through the, the forbidden door. (laughs) Um, just, just give me some strong guys at this point to, to freshen up this roster. 
a little bit and to give guys a break. That's why we're kind of, you know, you've got Abushi breaking down. You've got Naito breaking down. Okada finally is kind of put back together. Tanahashi is in his permanent state of hairspray and cortisone, keeping him together. Um, Hiromu is, you know, becoming a little more injury prone. And if we could just get some mm. fresh bodies in to just give these guys, even if it's like one night off, um, and to just preserve things so we're not in the state that we are right now. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned strong guys going over, and I think one of the guys that obviously we would have wanted to go over that now won't uh, is Chris Dickinson after he suffered quite a nasty uh, hip injury at uh, Battle in the Valley this past weekend. Um, looks like he's going to be out for at least five to six months um, before he, he gets back into a ring, which is a, a great shame Um and if I remember right, he lost his father just a few days before as well. Um, you know, the, the guy's been through the ringer over the last week. Um, you know, so, you know, we just we send our thoughts out to him and, you know, we hope he recovers quickly. Because Chris Dickinson, from the time I've been watching Strong, he's been one of the guys that's really stood out for me. Um, you know, is, is he someone that's kind of stood out for you? Is you, are you a bit of a fan of, of Dickinson? Yeah, I've, I've not watched a lot of Strong. I just don't have the time to, mm -hmm. even though it's it's a quick hour. Um, but obviously, had you know been watching Strong for for what we're doing today, and yeah, Dickinson is one of those guys that's head and shoulders um, above that roster, and I think mm -hmm. somebody that would get over insanely easy. Um, if he can make it over to Japan, I think he's, I know he's done some stuff in Japan before, but I think if we could get him in a new Japan ring, um, I think the sky is the, is the limit with, with dirty daddy. And then also there is a GoFundMe floating around on the interwebs. Uh, I know Kevin Kelly has retweeted it. I think the super J cast retweeted the link, um, to yeah, kind of help, so, to kind of, to help offset, you know, just kind of loss of income. Because mm -hmm. obviously all he's going to be focusing on for these five to six months is getting back to uh, to be able to get back in the ring. So if, if you've got a couple coins, you can throw his way. I'm sure he would greatly appreciate it. Yes. Yeah, I think if, you, if you're if you struggling to find it, have a look on Brody King's uh, Twitter feed. I think he, that's where he's obviously been pushing it. Um, Brody being his tag team partner and, uh, and obviously – uh, quite a, a close pal of him uh, has been has been pushing the, the GoFundMe, so it's definitely worth dropping a few quid or, or dollars uh, their way. Um, just, I suppose we should move on to the wrestling, really, shouldn't we? Uh, I mean, we're, we're we're being kind of semi-employed to talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling for for a couple of hours, um, and uh, I know the the anticipation hasn't been that great is it for the best of super juniors in the world tag league uh, i mean have you really been looking forward to these tournaments uh, be honest in, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no it's it's one of those things where normally kind of linking back with eric's question from a little bit earlier normally i would not be watching world tag league i would take that as kind of my little month off to, mm -hmm. to focus on some other things. I work in retail, so I'm starting to gear up for the holiday season. Um, so I'm 
trying to focus more in in that area. So normally I would not be watching World Tag League. I might be catching some matches that people would be going, hey, this match was really good. You got to see it. Well, then I might carve out the time to to pull that specific match up, but not not must see for me. When Best of the Super Juniors normally sits in its normal time slot, then I'm not watching, getting up live to watch that like I am the G1, but I, I would be at least following it and trying to catch uh, the different nights on demand afterwards in the evening. This go around, um, yeah, if I was not doing this podcast, <laughs> I would not have been watching these shows. And it's no slight on, on the guys participating. It's a, much like the G1. It is what it is. Everyone is clearly trying to, to do their best and, and to show out and to make it meaningful and uh, like I've got no complaints in that regards. It just mm-hmm. it just is what it is, and, and we'll definitely get into this, I'm sure, more when we actually talk about, especially World Tag League, where that is just half those teams are probably not in there. If we could get other teams in, especially since half of those teams at least have one person that doesn't bump. <laughs> I, I, I took bump counts. It's and, and you'll be surprised that Makabe actually took more flat back bumps than Fale. Wow. Yeah. A whole whopping <laughs> two to Fale's one. <laughs> you know what? So considering the World Tag League, I think we, we all kind of rate that lower than, than the best of super juniors. So we talk that that one World Tag League night that we've that this kind of podcast will cover. We'll get that out of the way first. So then we can move on to the bigger and better things of the best of super juniors and then over to the US. Yeah, how's that? Works for me. Excellent. Okay, well, um, we'll, we'll come back to the Young Lions, I think, because there's over the three nights we've seen, you know, uh, three different Young Lions all uh, facing off against each other. Um, and yeah, I think we'll come back to that in a minute because one of them's really stood out for me. Uh, so the World Tag League, it was night two of this tournament on uh, the 14th of November. And uh, so we had what, six matches, 12 teams. Uh, and the opening match, at least of the tournament, was probably my favourite of the night. Um, it was Takamichinoku making his grand return to a New Japan ring uh, alongside Minoru Suzuki uh, taking on Dangerous Seckers there. Uh, Suzuki Goon stable mates. Um, Dangerous Seckers won after 18 minutes, 44 seconds. Uh, Taichi knocking out Takamichinoku. Um, for, for me, this match, I, I love the fact that it's the same faction, but they were just beating 10 bells of shit out of each other um, from the start, no get, like from the get go, no hesitation, just beating the crap out of each other. Um, and, and it also felt as though it was like a reinitiation for Taka. Um, you know, he was getting put through all of the tasks. He was the one taking the brunt of the of the workload or getting beaten up the most. And especially at the end of as well, you know, it really felt like they were kind of making sure that he got put through the ringer to to earn his spot back uh, in in Suzuki Gun. Um, what do you think? I am just so mad this wasn't the main event. Um, I that that I was sitting there watching it. And about halfway through, I was just like, why is this not the main event? I understand why it wasn't the main event, because you want to bring Naito back and have Naito have his moment. But 
yeah, this was definitely for me the best match of the night. Um, I was not expecting to have these moments of Suzuki screaming at Taka to get back up and to fight. And it shows kind of the family nature of Suzuki Goon as, as twisted as that is. Um, I just, I just love this match. My main, well, some of the things I took away is when, when is dangerous techers getting their, getting their own tag theme? Cause they're one of the few tag teams in the world tag league that is an, and in new Japan as a whole, that's an actual proper tag team. It's not just two singles guys thrown together. They're a proper tag unit. They're your tag champs. Why can we not get them a their own tag theme? That's kind of part, part of the selling point, though, isn't it, when you look at, uh, at Zach and, and Tai Chi. Tai Chi's entrance with his miming and you know, uh, Miho Abe alongside him, and that, that's, that's all him. Um, and to, to kind of merge that with Zach's kind of, I don't know, kind of hard to describe it when he walks in and he's, you know, pops his collar and he's just like, look, motherfuckers, I'm on my own. I'm, I'm going to beat the fuck out of everyone. Um, I, I think that I, I prefer them coming out individually. Uh, I, I, uh, I have to disagree with you on that one. I just think they, they both have their own distinct personalities. And whilst Dangerous Techers is a fantastic tag team and, you know, I know a lot of people have, have are, are behind them, um, but they are still two individual personalities. They don't, I don't know, they're not as, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know, they, they don't merge, if that makes sense. They, they, they still need to be split in my eyes. No, no, I get that. They're, they don't have that, that level of synergy that, say, G.O.D. has. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I, th- I think there's a way that you could work both their distinct entrances and styles and, and still have it, and have it be like a one-unit deal. Um, I know that's not like a major issue. That's just one of those things that just gets up my craw at this point is I would, ju- I would just like to see that. And especially cause you keep giving them tag champ runs. Um, that's just a me thing. Also, I didn't realize how much I missed Suzuki gun shithousery. <laughs> and, and this was obviously replete in that, but just, just missing Suzuki, you know, just beating guys nine nine shades of, of blue and everybody flinging everybody into every barricade and everything. Um, I love Taka's entrance when, you know, he takes his towel off and he has the same kind of look that the rest of us probably had of <laughs> what the fuck am, am I doing here? <laughs> yep. And then, yeah, you're right. It definitely felt like, like him getting jumped back in to, to the group. Um, and then, like I said, at the end, just kind of that, for lack of a better term, that that wholesomeness of them willing him on and asking him to get back up and to keep fighting. And then Suzuki, I'm presuming, having like a dad talk of, okay, the prodigal son is back home. He's one of us. We're all, at the end of the day, Suzuki goon. Yeah, that's definitely the feeling I got from it. It's uh, it was it was quite wholesome in a way, which you wouldn't necessarily suggest uh, anything to do with Minoru Suzuki is is wholesome. 
No, but that's the weird dichotomy of Suzuki Goon is that, you know, you've got this ass kicking stable that will just fuck you up. <laughs> but then with each other, they're, it, it's a very family thing. You know, Tai Chi always hopping into a ring post match if he's been on comms when it's either, you know, Zach at Power Struggle in defeat or Despy in defeat at the anniversary show and, and supporting them and being there. And they all do that for one another. And definitely, it, it's an odd family, but there, there's probably the most family vibe of them out of, out of all the stables. I think maybe to a degree even more so than LIJ. Because at least Suzuki Goon helps each other out when they get beat down. Yeah, LIJ tend to, to sit back and you never see them kind of coming out and rushing to anyone's aid, um, which I've always kind of... And it's not just them that do it. It's, it's quite a few factions. And I, it always confuses the hell out of me that you know, if, you've, if your faction mate is in there taking absolute beating, why isn't someone else from your faction going out almost immediately to assist? Why does it... Like, why do they either not turn up or take you know, ages to, to make an appearance? And, and I'm sure we're going to get into this when we talk a little bit, when we start getting into the matches involving House of Torture guys. But from a kayfabe perspective, it's like, you know what's going to happen. You know at some point, Togo's going to show up with the garrot. Yujiro's mm-hmm. going to show up in his mom jeans. <laughs> Evil is, is going to show up as well, or show. Um, depending upon what's going on, why are you, why are you as a faction mate watching, you know, somebody get beat down, not popping out and evening the playing field just a little bit. And it happens on occasion it happens for the bigger shows, you know, the night of evil stuff that, that was definitely replete with, with run-ins and, mm-hmm. you know, people finally kind of getting tired of watching, watching their mates get beat down. But, I would like to see that on some of these shows. I think if for no other reason, it would freshen these, these constant run-ins up. If we at least got somebody coming in from the other side um, and having a little moment and then fine, you want to go back to, to the full shit hazard you can, but you Mm. you gotta, you gotta switch it up because you know, in, in I'm assuming this is all Togo and, when you think about it, this bitch caught us watching like how many nights of, of hot bullshit between best of super junior and world tag league. Yeah. Yeah. There's every be a lot night, at least with G one, you had some off nights cause Yujiro was not doing this bullshit, but now you don't even have that. Now it's every show you were almost guaranteed like 99.9% hot bullshit. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll touch back onto that when we talk about the the House of Torture match uh, a little bit further down the card. Because um, just be, right before then, the next match following on from from Tekkers, uh was basically a, a dad's match. Uh, we had Yuji Nagata and Tiger Mask take on Tenkozi. Uh, Tenkozi won after 10 minutes and 9 seconds after Kojima uh, hit his lariat on Tiger Mask. Uh, for me, it just felt... Uh, it was a match of the dads. They were all able to get kind of like their spots in, um, and just not really much to say about it. It was just run of the mill. I don't, I don't know if uh, you felt any different in that respect. They're just warm bodies. That's mm. literally why any of these guys are in this world tag league, especially Tiger Mask. I know apparently um, the the news or the rumor was that 
it was originally going to be Ibushi and Nagata. And then when Ibushi tore his shoulder up, they put Tiger Mask in. My question to that would be, if you have both Tana and Ibushi in World Tag League, why are you not just doing Golden Aces? Uh, but that's another discussion we can maybe have for another time, if that was the real, mm. if that was the plan. Um, my biggest thing is I hate Tiger Mask being in World Tag League as the junior tag champ. I think your champ should always be book strong and look strong, and that's not going to happen this tournament. You've got no. your junior tag champ who was going to be eating all the pins because that's the way New Japan works. The junior is always going to is nine times out of ten unless you got Hanma um, in your multi man mm. tag group is 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 going to be eating the pin, and I kind of hate that. Um, as I'm getting a call from one of my reps, I will uh, <laughs> totally ignore that. But but yeah, um, it's that that was my biggest takeaway is they're warm bodies, they're taking up spaces, mm-hmm. and I don't think this does you know, your junior tag champs, or at least one half of them, any favors in the long run. Uh, I, I completely agree. He's going to be looking the weakest, I think, out of, out of all of those. He, he's, as you say, he's going to eat the pins uh, pretty much every night, I think. If, if, if they do pick up a win, it'll be Nagata taking the, the, or winning the pinfall. I can't imagine Tiger Mask being booked any uh, with any sort of strength over the run of the World Tag League. I think the only chance he's got is in um, when they face Suzuki and Taka. Maybe he pins Taka, but I could see Taka pinning Tiger Mask because apparently we've heard, and I think this is from Voices of Wrestling, um, the flagship, where apparently Togo has been trying to get Taka back in for a while and was pitching the idea of Taka and Doki as a team for the little mini junior tag league tournament. So oh, I could wow. see a I, I, so I could see a scenario where Taka pins Tiger Mask, and we get Taka and Doki challenging. Uh, what is what is Robbie and Tiger Mask called? The Flying Tigers, the fly, I think. Uh, is. Yeah, the Flying Tigers, I think. It yeah, is. so I, I I could see that being like a defense for them. Yeah, yeah, that's it's it's definitely you know possible. Um, I mean, it's it's not something that I'd. I'd hate, but uh, I can't say it's something to get excited over either. Um, no, I mean it, it would be nice for Duke, uh, nice for Doki. Doki, um, Doki, I, yeah, I Doki. Yeah, Doki. I don't know why I, I, I almost did Dookie there, but um, apologies. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean it'd be nice for Doki, you know, to give him something to do and a little reward for being there, um, especially for the last three years stepping in. Mm. Um, and being, I, I called him the uh, the junior king of Corkin, which we'll get into when we we talk about right. best of the super junior. But yeah, so that's I, I think Tiger Mask's best bet is that Suzuki Gun matchup, and I'm not even sure that happens. Mm, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. I mean, we've still got a long way. At least after today, we don't have to watch every single episode, and we can always just kind of pop back in uh, if if someone gives us a decent match to watch. Um, the the next match on the card, uh, uh, Honma and Makabe against God. God won after fourteen minutes uh, with Tama using a gun stun on Honma. Uh, again, not really much I can say about this one. I, I was I loved how Tama was against Okada in the singles match 
the other week. Uh, I think he's got great potential as a singles wrestler. In a way, I'm slightly disappointed to see him back in a in a tag, but I know that's that's where his bread is buttered. Um, yeah, there's not, but there's not much really from me on that one. Uh, I know you said you took a a bump count when it comes to this one. Yeah, I mean, because that's always kind of the fun thing with Makabe to see how many bumps he's going to take. And, you know, he took two flat bumps. He was barely in the match. Hanma took most of the offense and was in for the majority of the match. And we know just how not mobile Hanma is. Mm. Uh, So I give great props to G.O.D. for making that match work. Um, And at least trying to do something with Hanma and God bless Hanma for keep, for keep showing up. Cause um, I would probably stay home if I was him and stay with my, with my newborn child. But Hanma keeps coming and he keeps fighting and he keeps trying his best. And I had the note of, you know, trying to make, you know, chicken salad at a, at a chicken feed in this match mm-hmm. as far as G.O.D. was concerned in trying to in trying to make this an engaging match and at least make it a, a gentleman's three, if nothing else. And, yeah, I mean, I'm not doing flakes normally, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, at 14 minutes, it was longer than I expected it when it comes to Homer and Maccabee in there. Um, especially when you look at some of the other matches that have gone less. Um, but yeah, so there's, uh, it, it, it was all right. I'm not going to kind of, uh, I, I won't be giving out any, any star ratings. I've, uh, in the past, I've made my, my feelings clear. I just think it's all obviously, um, oh, I can't, you know what, my mind has gone blank on the word now. Um, but yeah, it, what could be three stars to me is for like one star to someone else, and I just it, too many people get too hung up on that sort of thing. So uh, yeah, I tend to stay clear of that one. Um, the next match on the card, uh, I've got nothing to really say about either uh, Chase and uh, Chase Owens and Bad Luck Farley taking on the United Empire of Great O'Khan and Aaron Hanare. Uh, Farley uh, won with a grenade, grenade launcher on Hanare after nine minutes and 13 seconds. Um, anything uh, anything grab you on this one? Uh, Farley took one bump, which, <laughs> which again, hey, Farley getting on, on the plane, so I've got no complaints on that. I feel, bad, I feel so bad for O'Conn. Um, I wish, I understand why Cobb went back to the States. You know, Cobb's been in Japan mm-hmm. for a very long time. I've got no problem with Cobb spending some time back home and taking some indie dates and working strong. Um, but because the faction is so small and you've got Will, who will finally be getting on a plane for Wrestle Kingdom, and then you've got Hinare, it's, it, for me, that's probably one of the great disappointments of this year and that Okan's development has slightly been stymied Mm. by the inability or the unwillingness of will to get on a plane and then Hinari having that injury time. So for the most of the latter half of this year, Okan has really not had much to do, which is kind of sad because I, I, Mm. he's, I, I, I like him. I know he's somewhat divisive, among the fan base, especially if you're a follower of Meltzer. But I, I, I like him a lot. 
I think he's, you know, stuck with Inari. I liked his, I like him better with Cobb. And yeah, then Hanari. Cobb and Cobb is a much better tag team than, uh, than Hakan and Hanare. Yeah. And, and what are we doing with Hanare? Hanare has just basically traded one faction pin eating job for another faction pin eating job. I, I don't see any development in him. I know it's still kind of early days with him in United Empire, but I just, it does nothing for me. And the fact that he's sitting here eating the pin uh, just kind of shows to me what, what his role is probably going to be in this faction. Yeah, it's, it is a shame. Uh, I think Hanare has got a lot of talent. Um, I think he, sh- he showed that when he was when he was a young lion back way back when. But obviously, his injury history has, has really hindered him, and then he is now just seen as as the pin eater, which is uh, it's a it's, it's a disappointing it's a disappointment, and it is a shame because I thought there was there was a lot of potential there. Um, ne- next up for for the card was the House of Torture. Here we go. Uh, Evil and Yujiro against uh, Tanahashi and Yano. Yano won with uh, after 12 minutes and 16 seconds by uh, rolling up Yujiro. T- to, for me, I mean, it's an odd partnership, Tanahashi and, and Yano, um, but I love that they came out with the same blazers and Tanahashi's hair is it was something to behold. Um, I thought this was a in a way, it was a perfect match to get the, the House of Torture bullshit out of the way. Um and just to have it, night one, do it, and then fuck off. But we know we're going to get it every night until the end of the tournament. Um, but uh, I think when you've got the House of Torture going up against Yano, you, you know it, there's going to be some back and forth uh, shithousery. Um, I just, this this match, I can deal with it because of, as I say, Yano on the other side. But it's when the House of Torture start facing people like... Naito and Sonada and Yoshihashi and Goto and you know God when you know the the shit has we just needs to um, I get tired of it very quickly. Can, can you imagine the shit when they're facing like GBH, Tenkozy, <laughs> a Tiger Mask and Nagata? I call them you know Tiger Justice, but or Blue Tiger. But c- can you imagine? Th- the shithazery in those matches and oh, how ab- right, right. <laughs> um, uh, for me, a perfect representation of what I think of of House of Torture overall is the end of that match when Evil Yujiro and Togo are all on the outside, just holding their nuts after the triple <laughs> nut shot. Because I think that's that's all of us where we're all experiencing mental nut shots every time <laughs> we we watch one of these matches um my my thing was also are we getting nine tana comedy matches it, it's it would be a shame if we do but i think that's i think that's going to be it though isn't it uh, i can't see it yano can put on a serious match if he really wanted to but in a tournament like the world tag league I don't think it's expected. So, I, I mean, I don't know how I, I, I get it. Again, we need warm bodies. Um, but I just, I, I, I'm not, I would like to see Tana do a little bit more. And again, I don't know if we maybe we're going to get golden aces that would, 
you know, beg the question of how you book them in this tournament and what you're doing with them. Because also my question in regards to Tana is, what is his program now for Wrestle Kingdom? Yeah, because he didn't he drop did he he dropped the US title, didn't he? Yeah, so he drops the US title to Kenta. Mm-hmm. And an argument can be made that maybe they were trying to work out a ton of mox match, which is is most likely ninety nine point nine percent not happening now, if it even yeah. was on the potential cards, um, with Mox going into rehab. And uh side note, obviously, um, you know, good on Mox for realizing he had a problem and for dealing with it and wishing all the best for him and Renee and their, you know, and their daughter and working through this. And I'm sure Mox is going to come back stronger than ever, but now we've, we've got some of these questions of, you know, what, what are some people doing when we thought maybe there might've been certain programs with him coming down, you know, the not, not too distant future. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we can fantasy book and try and kind of give Tanahashi something um, yeah, leading up to Wrestle Kingdom, but I have a feeling that it's, uh, you know, I don't know. I've, I suppose I've not really looked at what what where he's going to end up. I just, uh, you know, the guy is a big name. He's one of the biggest names in New Japan and he's he's got a storied history. You know, he, he deserves to give something, like to be given something that has meaning, uh, and I, I suppose I worry that he's not, he's not going to get that. No, I don't. I mean, we've got three nights, but I mean, I look at him being pa- paired with Yano, and I, I don't see where you go from there right now. Um, mm. That, that's that's my major issue with with the Yano, Tana tag team is I just, you know, Yano will be doing his, you know, KOPW bullshit. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about him. It's Tana that I'm sitting here going, okay, you're you're trapped in this comedy tag team for World Tag League to, you know, again fill bodies. But what are we doing with you down the line? Because we got to do something with you. Yeah, and the, the thing is, it's the, the the other big names are gonna. I mean, Naito's still he's just come back from his injury. What you know, what's he going to be doing? Are they going to put him in a in a program with Tanahashi maybe or or do you put, I don't know, do you stick him against someone like Goto or, that, or Ishii maybe because of uh, of his um, never open weight win over at uh, over in San Jose this past weekend? There's, there's always that, I suppose. There is, and and I think this is a, a nice lead into what was the main event on the card, which is mm. which is Lij versus uh, Goto Yoshihashi, um, because then my question is, who's winning World Tag League? You know, is is there a chance that you have Naito and Sonata win it to give Naito something to do at Wrestle Kingdom? Yeah, possibly. Um, I mean, or do or do they go with the old faithful and give it to God? I'm on, I'm on, I'm of two minds. Part of me wants them to give it to God um, again as a as a thank you for getting on the plane as often as they have. And for being for them and Dangerous Techers being kind of the the foundation that has been propping up this tag division since the pandemic started last year. Um, so I would I would not hate seeing um, God Techers again mm. at the Dome, 
Um, and I think especially now, which with what I hope is renewed confidence in both Tangaloa and Tamatanga after their G1 runs, uh, to, to see that how that will manifest in a, in a title match against Techers. I, I wouldn't mind seeing, I wouldn't hate it. Um, but again, on the flip side, if they give it to Naito and Sonata, um, I, I, I've got no problems with that either. Because again, what, what are you doing with these guys at Wrestle Kingdom if you don't give them tag league? Yeah. yeah I'm, but I'm, I, I am worried for Wrestle Kingdom. Um, I mean, especially with the three nights, it's, you just, you know that they're going to fill it with a load of crap as well as the, the kind of the big things. And yeah, that, I suppose that does concern me. Um, let's see. Sorry, yeah, going to the to the main event, which was uh, as you said, Yoshihashi and Goto versus Naito and Sonada. I uh, not so Naito and Sonada won this after eighteen minutes twenty one seconds uh, after Naito hit the Destino on Yoshihashi. Um, I expected Sonada to take the lead in this one following Naito's return from injury, um, but Naito took a, a lot of the a lot of the action, um, and of course securing the pin so you know I was completely wrong um, this isn't a match that I pay I, I, I suppose I, I pay too much attention to because it's got two guys in it that I've I've got no I, I just no feelings about no care for I, I don't uh, Yoshihashi and Sonata both kind of I know Yoshihashi has improved in a lot of people's eyes but uh, to me he's still the, the old bag of socks proverbially um, and Sonata's just yeah, he, he's a bit meh for me. So um, it was a solid match, but nothing special, nothing to write home about. And as you said earlier, I think the the Suzuki Goon match should have been the main event. Yeah, I mean, Sonata for me, I think Sonata is a great tag wrestler. Um, I don't like him as a singles. I too, we, we talked about this last week um, when we kind of got together privately about what we thought how we thought the end sequence was going to go. And we both mm. thought it was going to be Sonata and Yoshihashi in the battle of, of shitty submission moves <laughs> and Yoshihashi just bleeding like a goat as he's putting on the butterfly lock. Um, so I was a little shocked too, that Naito was as in the action, which I guess he has to be because you got to get the ring rust off of him. Uh, what I noticed was, was that, yeah, he was in a lot of it, but it's not like they really made his knee do a lot of work. He had a, he had a couple of moves where it was kind of, you know, get, giving the knee a little workout. But for the most part, he was kind of getting beaten down and taking a lot of the offense. Mm. So I don't, which is, which again is fine. Ease him back in and you just have to keep him healthy um, because if he goes down again, and then you're, you know, we're talking about being worried about Wrestle Kingdom. He goes down again. Now you're looking at a Wrestle Kingdom with possibly without Ibushi and without Naito. And that's just not going to work on any level. No, no. And I dread to think of him getting injured again. Yeah, it's it's not not an optimal, uh, uh, not a, a very uh, exciting prospect, is it really? A, a Wrestle Kingdom without him or Ibushi or you know, or anyone else that may get injured on the way uh, on the way in. Yeah, I mean, and, and New Japan can't afford it. You know, we know Will is showing up. We don't know who else. Like, I don't trust Finjuice to show up. And we'll, we'll get into that more when we get into mm. to Battle in the Valley. But I don't. I'm not anticipating them showing up. 
No, no, me neither. Okay, so I think we can kind of we can move away from the World Tag League now uh, and concentrate on the two nights of best of Super Juniors. Um, given how we've we've gone through match by match on the World Tag League uh, and how long it's taken us, I'm looking at the at the time uh, pointedly. Um, I think if we just have a quick we look at each wrestler. Um, obviously, they've, they've, everyone's had two matches, and we can just give our assessment, I suppose, on on how we think they've done. Um, if that's uh, if that's okay with you, yeah, that that, that works. Yeah, so uh, I think we'll start off with my list here. We'll start off with Bushi, who uh, he lost against uh, Doki on the first night, and on the second, well, third night of the uh, of the tournament, uh, he beat uh, Taguchi. So uh, to me, Bushi's I see him as Mister Consistent. Uh, I do see him as, as quite underrated. Uh, I am a fan of him. Uh, I did have, up until recently, I had one of his masks, actually, uh, and I wore it to Wrestle Kingdom 12. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I believe that, that Bushi can give us... He's always solid and will always give us a decent match, and I think he gave that in both the opening match against Doki and then uh, later on against Taguchi. Um, but, yeah, so he's he's currently sitting on two points after one win. Could you imagine, though, how good Bushi would be and enjoyable to watch if he put as much effort into his wrestling as he does his masks? I mean, yeah, not, those I masks mean, are night, spectacular. I mean, night two, he's coming out with a mask that's like spitting out smoke. But then he wrestles the way he wrestles, and it's fine. It's he he's solid. He's to me, he's not anything spectacular. He can go when he gets that tap on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. You know, you put him in a put him in a in a match for the title, and and he's going to deliver, and it's going to be something enjoyable. But for me, and something like Best of the Super Junior, um, he's just there. He he's there for the numbers game. And I, I can take or leave him. Right. Okay. No, that, that's that's fair enough. Um, I know that that seems to be the general opinion of, of quite a few people when it comes to Bushi. Um, and so I'd like to see him do well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's uh, as you say with the masks, the, the, they do look so incredibly detailed when he's coming out with those, like the smoke and the, and the lights and things like that. Um, he just needs to elevate his game to to that level. Um, so uh, next up is Doki. Uh, he is currently sitting on four points, uh, following two wins. Uh, as mentioned, he beat Bushi on the first night, and on the third night he beat Yo. Uh, so yeah, so Doki, the Suzuki Goon, uh, stand in as he was when he because co- he took come in after Despy injured himself a couple of years back. You know, I can't really find much fault with Doki. He gets the job done, and uh, he does it well. He, he does he does what he does well, and I have no complaints about it. Um, what about yourself? For me, the biggest shock is is Doki sitting at four points. I, I would not have bet money that he would be atop the the leaderboard, um, and I also think this is a bit of a representation of people not watching best of the super juniors and that this is not being talked about of, of where he's sitting on the, on, on the leaderboard mm-hmm. in relation to guys like Hiromu 
and Desperado um, and other people in this field. And I, I don't know what this is leading to. If this is, I know Joel kind of tweeted out on the Super J Cast Twitter feed. I think I'm sure um, very jokingly, tongue in cheek, that Doki was getting that cob push. Um, I would not have a problem with Doki getting a cop push if that ended up actually being the case. I don't think it is, but mm. that for me with Doki right now, that's the biggest takeaway is that he does, he is sitting um, atop the leaderboard uh, along with, with show who obviously we'll get to a little bit later. Um, but yeah, Doki, Doki does his job, you know, great opening matches, a lot of fire, a um, lot of great spots, everything you kind of want to see or expect from a best of the super juniors. You're, you're getting it with Doki. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and we actually had a question uh, on Twitter about Doki um, from definite one on Twitter. Uh, did you notice Doki's color scheme? Normally I wouldn't think anything of it, but he was fighting yo uh, on the, uh, the second night whilst wearing the house of torture colors. Is this foreshadowing something? Jesus, I hope not. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know what? I, I think that's it's just a coincidence. I think uh, you know everyone. Uh, purple is a is a lovely color. It's one of my favorites. So he just, uh, I, I, yeah, I think it's just a coincidence that he was uh, in the same colors as House of Torture. I know New Japan do like their little nods uh, and things to look back on, but I think this is going a bit too deep, don't you? I, I, I hope that's the case. And he he rocked the same colors night one. So that that I, I I didn't notice that both nights, um, but I, 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 I right well well it's it's that you know you never know with New Japan right and especially right now you know they've got their you know House of Torture has their their junior in mm. in show, um, and I think Doki is 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 tight enough with Desperado outside of the ring and that whole Suzuki Goon faction, I don't see it happening. But again, um, I think if anything that the last 18 months or so has taught us is not to completely discount anything. Yeah. Anything can happen. Um, you know, actually, so you mentioned, we mentioned uh show being the house of tortures, uh, junior uh, let's talk about him so he's again he's also on on four points after two wins uh, the first night beating El Desperado and on the second night beating Hiromu um, for me I think the first night against Despi I was really enjoying this match it was a great main event um, and we'd, we'd gone I think nearly 20 minutes before we actually got any interference from Dick Togo and Ujiro. So I was like, oh, maybe we're actually going to get a, a full-on great match here. Uh, and no, the, the shithousery happened. Um, as I should have expected it, really. Should have known better. Uh, but on no show, his his power seems to be shining through and his strength. He, he, he almost looks too big uh, to be a junior at the moment. Uh, he's, he's looking more heavyweight to me. I, I don't know about uh, about you. But yeah, he's currently sitting top with, with four points. Yeah, I, I don't know about heavyweight show. I know that's a thing that Damon and a lot of people have been banging on is moving show up to heavyweight. I'm not in that camp, mainly because I think show would get lost in the heavyweight division. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, and... And I don't think the junior division right now could can take any more losses. 
especially if we think in a couple in a year or two maybe Hiromu moves up, which I I don't agree with it either. But my this is what I wanted to see from Show is is tapping more into into his grapple stuff into that MMA because I I think the junior division needs kind of a grapple fucker. Mm-hmm. And and I was I was loving both matches, both this and the Hiromu match. I think the best of Super Junior match with Hiromu was better than their Castle Attack match. Um, I was I was I was thoroughly enjoying both of them. And then yeah, the bullshit happens and just completely ruins the match. And I get why they're doing that. You know, you've got to establish this faction, establish Joe as you know being part of this faction. I just as we talked about a little bit earlier, I think there are better ways that you could get your shithousery in and still have a really good match. And I think that's going to hurt show down the line. And and I fear that show's going to get slotted the way that we slot evil now is that it's just go away almost at that go away heat level. If you notice in both matches, when the bullshit starts, that crowd goes deadly silent, especially in the Desperado match, yeah. where they are, where they don't make a sound once that all happens. And in the Desperado match, where where it's Marty uh, counting the three pin, you could hear a pin drop when that happens. And that was very similar in the Hiromu match. There's a little bit of noise because they were clapping for Hiromu, trying to get him back up on his feet and, and hope that he could overcome this. Obviously he doesn't. Um, and I think that's the crowd's way of showing their displeasure. Mm-hmm. I know that on Japanese Twitter, there is definite um, angst over this and unhappiness. And there's always a discourse about Togo and what he's, he's brought to the company as presumably a member of the booking committee um, and my thing is it with is that yes, it sucks and it's miserable, but on the flip side, people still are still buying the merch. You see the towels, you mm. see the signs. Um, and until that dries up, we're gonna keep getting this bullshit because it's connecting with some people on some level and it's making the company money. Once it stops making the company money, that's when we will be hopefully knock on wood free of, of the hot mess that mm-hmm. we're dealing with now. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, fingers yeah. crossed that comes sooner rather than later. Um, actually, to, uh, speaking of, of shithousery, that kind of brings me perfectly on to the next person on my list, uh, El Fantasmo. So uh, he's currently sitting on zero points, uh, having lost to Master Wato on the first night and then uh, losing to Kanemaru on night three. Uh, for me, though, the shithousery that El Fantasmo does, it works. It's the right amount of shithousery. He's, he's there taking the piss. He's there trying to wind people up. But it doesn't... To me, it doesn't negatively impact the match, as like whereas the the House of Torture shit, ru- like it, it ruins a match. Um, Phantasmo is just there to 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 be a wind up, and obviously it's it's not working for him because he's lost both of his matches. But uh, I I am a fan of of El Phantasmo and the and the old headband club. Uh, but yeah, currently sitting on no points at all. Uh, are you surprised by that? 
Very surprised, um, especially the way he's, you know, we're talking about a two-time uh, Super J Cup winner. And he's sitting here at zero points. Obviously, it's very early days. And I could see where his booking is kind of like that typical G1 booking where you've got the guy that takes, you know, two to three losses at the start and then just goes on a run to, to get into the finals. But that, what I've also noticed, and not only with him, but with Ishimori and with G.O.D., is that they're, and, and to a degree also Fale and Chase, is that all the main Bullet Club bullshit has been significantly turned down. Mm-hmm. We saw very little of it outside of Kenta in G1. And so far, between these two nights of Best of the Super Juniors and one night of World Tag League, um, there's been little to to no bullshit among the Bullet Club faction members. G.O.D. did their match straight, clean. Folly and Chase was no real bullshit. Um, Ishimori has been relatively, has been really no bullshit. And ELP's bullshit has been turned down to, to, to like low, mm. as opposed to say the beginning of the year or even uh, during his Super J Cup runs where it was just at max peak levels and annoying the hell out of everybody. And I think a lot of that has to do with House of Torture. I think House of Torture is going to be our, our main bullshit shithousery faction. And so to at least not give us nothing but bullshit, I think those guys, I think our Bullet Club guys have been told to, to just take it down a bunch of notches and, you know, have a little bit of it. Mainly ELPs is now just the loaded boot, which I love. I can't wait for the day, probably years from now, when we will finally get that boot uh, revealed and get him busted. Um, but that's been a, that's a, kind of an interesting deal of people trying to like suss him out on the boot mm. and work around it. Uh, but yeah, that's yeah, I'm definitely surprised right now that he's he's sitting at no points. Yeah, and and uh, there's another guy as well that I'm surprised is sitting on zero points. I mean, I think Phantasma will probably pick up a win uh, quite quickly, um, you know, as as the tournament progresses. Uh, the same goes for El Desperado, who, as I say, currently sitting on zero points, having lost to show in the main event on the first night, and then in the uh, I think it was the main event on the second night as well, um, lost against Taiji Shimori. So Desperado. Uh, again, is someone who, you know, it, he always delivers for me. Um, but yeah, it's just disappointing and surprising that he's sitting on zero points. I think that will change very quickly. Uh, are you uh, are you fully behind Despy, or is he is he one of those guys that you're uh, maybe not necessarily too keen on? I've I've fully gotten behind Despy now. Um, I'm I'm all, I'm all aboard the Despy train. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. You know, Despy's been is doing his job. He's he's you know he's putting on great main events. He's been really the the pillar of of the division during the pandemic, with Hiromu being injured for large chunks of it. Mm-hmm. He's been really the guy that that's been holding it and holding it down. Um, I loved both his matches. You know, we've talked about the show one. I, I love the Ishimori. For me, the Ishimori match right now is match of the tournament between the two nights. That that is the match where I would, you know, if somebody said, "Hey, Nicole, you gotta, what should I watch from Best of the Super Junior?" It, it's Ishimori, Ishimori El Desperado. Um, 
I had in my notes, I was literally writing down that, you know, it's like match of the tournament for me so far, right as Despy was tapping. And then uh-huh. I just have in like caps and exclamation points tap because <laughs> I, I was not expecting him to tap. No, no. I, I think I was expecting, I mean, with the the disappointment, I suppose, with against show and the, the shithazery that comes with the House of Torture, I was hoping that second time around when he was taking on Ishimori that he'd be able to, to kind of shine through and pick up that win. But uh, yeah, surprising that he did lose again, but... There's that's nothing against Ishimori because yeah I think he's he's an, another established uh, established junior who will always put on uh, you know a decent showing and in a way it's kind of good that we're talking about that as I said I think that is my that's, I'll probably agree with you that that's my match of the uh, of the tournament so far but so actually before we move on I just realised uh, we've got we had a question on Twitter about. Despy, which I think we've kind of answered anyway, but with Despy having two losses now as the champ, where do you think goes for where do you think things go for him? Also, do you think we'll get a Super J Cup running on strong like last year from Bash? Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I would say we're probably not going to get a Super J Cup running on strong yet, because otherwise I think it would have been announced given how they uh, they do the shows, because um, they would be recording it, uh, you know, on the on a big kind of set of, of two or three uh, shows back to back but um, so I, if that comes uh, then yeah, I just I'd wait for the announcement but it, uh, if it's going to be this year I have a feeling it would have been announced already um, but yeah I think we answered the, the Despy thing don't you? Yeah I, I you know I, I don't I don't anticipate him winning Best of the Super Junior on a side note I've noticed that so the only two people that are actively in the tournament that have ever won Best of the Super Juniors is Hiromo with his two wins and Taguchi with his win in 2012. No one else in the tournament has won. And my question would be, who do you give the win to? We're all sitting here expecting it to be Hiromu for his third win. We get Hiromu and Despi at Wrestle Kingdom, which is a Wrestle Kingdom-worthy main match maybe even a main event, uh, definitely semi-main. I would not have a problem with it. But on the flip side, what are you doing to build that division if you give it to Hiromu again? It's the same faces, isn't it? You need something, um, you need someone someone new. But then who do you give it to? Do you give it to Master Wato? Do you, you know, or, or do you, I don't know, Kanemaru maybe? Kanemaru is too old. Um, I love Kanemaru, but he's kind of in that dad status with Taguchi. Um, I am really high on Wado. I know we'll get to Wado shortly. Um, he's, he's, he's only 24, though. He's got time. I would almost say give it to show. Ooh, controversial. It is. <laughs> um, but you, you've got to make some new stars in this division especially if the plans are to move Hiromu up. You, you need to have established other people. And mm-hmm. right now, besides Hiromu and Desperado, who else on that, in that division are you looking at and going, he's a guy I could tap on the shoulder to hold the strap and, and mm-hmm. to main event and, and to do some things. Now, they've done it with Ishimori. 
Um, and that, and you could definitely go back to Ishimori. I don't see Ishimori winning a best of the super junior though. Um, Doki, I don't think they're going to give it to, uh, yo, I, I don't know what they're doing with yo. We'll get to yo. Um, yeah. I look at that and go, if you're not, if you're not giving it to Hiromu, you're giving it to show. And okay. you're using and, and you're using that to elevate him and to build and to start building this division and making some new stars. Yeah, it's, it's something needs to be to be switched up. Um, you, you mentioned Ishimori in there, uh, and you don't believe he'll, he'll win, uh, or you don't see him as a best of Super Juniors winner. Um, he is currently sitting on uh, two points, having lost to Kanemaru on night one. Uh, by count out and then beating uh, El Desperado night two. We've already talked about the night two match. Um, when we spoke last week, just as a kind of catch up before this podcast, obviously the the history between Ishimori and Kanemaru was something that you've that you've mentioned, and the their match last year uh, or or in the with with no crowds in uh, disappointed you a bit. I just wanted to kind of get that onto the podcast really, if you'd like to to talk about that again. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not too deep. I'm not a major Noah fan, so I'm not going to try and pretend that I'm like some great Noah historian, but Kanemaru and Ishimori do have that history in Noah. I think if we factor in the match um, in the Best of the Super Junior that we just had, I think the um, stat is like 12, 12 to 2 in Kanemaru's favor. Uh, he was always a thorn in Ishimori's side in Noah, and that was the big thing leading into that that New Japan Cup match was you know that that thing hanging over them of Ishimori mm. having never beaten Kanemaru, and then it happens in an empty arena, which I thought was just a horrible way to give away that win, and for that to finally happen that that should have happened at least in front of fans, and to make that a little more meaningful. But on the flip side, I don't really expect New Japan to fully respect other promotions' history. That's not um, – they, they don't have to do it. They're not under any obligation. They just want to put on what they think are good matches and get the results that they need to get to get you to the next level. It's mm-hmm. the same thing with Omega and Ibushi where everybody was like, oh, but you've, you've got to respect this history that they've had in DD. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're you you know what I mean? Like you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, ah, hey, look at some random cards, or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards. It sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing, you know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. 
you get a display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the Slap Pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great Slap Packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club Slap Packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying... Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net, arena club.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Uh, DDT and New Japan was like begging them to give them the match. <laughs> And finally, we, you know, we finally got it in that G1 because it actually fit historically with it being in Budokan and being around um, date-wise the six-year anniversary of the, the match at Budokan. But then they gave, us, gave it to us again in a horrible three-way with Cody. Um, so that's, that's kind of further proof that New Japan doesn't really respect or care about the history of feuds from other promotions mm-hmm. they just want to get matches on a card that i think they think are going to pop and put butts in seats and that's entirely their right to do so yeah um but but i, I love ishimori i think he suffers to a degree the same fate as kenta in that people want the old kenta people want the old ishimori and you're just not going to get that <laughs> now you're, you're getting something different but I love what we're getting with Ishimori. Ishimori can still go, still a little ball of fire. He can still mm-hmm. flip off things, still do things, and you get that grapple element. And that's what I really liked going back to the Desperado match and that it was just a battle of who can injure the other's limb enough to make that submission, to make their submission move be the one that wins. Yeah, it just, it, it told the story well, didn't it, that that. Ishimori Despi match. I, you know, I was uh, I was fully on board for the Despi one, but I, sadly for me, I knew that how the result was going to go because I'd seen the question on Twitter uh, before seeing the actual show. So um, yeah, I was oh, slightly I, spoiled on that one. Yeah, no, no, I got lucky on that. I got I, I was completely like unspoiled, and again, I think that's a that's a representation of people not watching these mm. shows because that. That should have been, and I think if it, this had happened like pre-pandemic, if this happens in 2019, I think everybody's talking about it. And no one is talking about this. I saw nothing. Yeah, so it's just, yeah, as you say, it's a, people, aren't, people just aren't watching it at the moment. Um, and it's a shame because there is some quality there. I know you, you've got to pick and find it, um, 
but yeah, it's uh, it's a shame. Um, actually, moving moving on to the next one, we'll we'll talk about Kanemaru, who's currently sitting on four points, having wins against Ishimori uh, and against El Fantasmo on the uh, third night. Um, uh, as you said, Kanemaru is too old really to to win the best of Super Juniors, but he's he is the old hand who's going to get the job done, isn't he? He's not uh, he's not going to disappoint. He's not going to um, put in a stinker. He's he's there to make up the numbers and help that help move things in the right direction, isn't he? Yeah, and he's what I loved with the ELP match. It was just basically a battle of whose shithousery is better. And and in this case, it was it was the old dog. Um, triumphing under mm. over the over the young pup um and it's just basically yeah you you've, you've got some bullshit up your sleeves but um I've, I've been doing this a lot longer than you have so and that was that was great um but yeah he's there to make the numbers you're gonna get good matches out of him um and just just a solid solid hand and maybe he gets a gets a pin over Wado, um not Wado, um robbie and then we can set up another potential, you know, Suzuki Goon, um, Flying Tigers defense as well, you know, yeah. somewhere down the line, provided that they're holding the, the titles after Wrestle Kingdom, which I'm not even sure if that's going to be a thing. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we won't go down that rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> oh, excuse me. So um, moving on to the next one, then we'll have a look at uh, Master Watto or Watto. Uh, you know, for for me, so the guys are currently sitting on two points, having beaten El Fantasmo on the first night and then losing to, to Robbie Eagles on the third night. Uh, Wato has come on in leaps and bounds for me. The guy is looking so much more confident. He's looking so much more at ease. Uh, and I even wrote, in, during his match against Robbie Eagles, I've written down that he looks like he belongs. You know, it's the the master Wato that, that was there when we first saw him. Um, it is. It, miles away from from the Watto that we're seeing now in the best of super juniors the guys putting it on and doing doing really well i've i've i'm i'm fully behind him now uh you know i'm getting on the Watto train uh, what about yourself i i, I love Watto now um i th- i think at this point if you're shitting on Watto that is kind of equal to people that are still shitting on tai chi Mm. You're you're just not watching, and you just have, or, or you're you're watching, but you're not really taking it in because you've got these preconceived notions, and you're just refusing to see the change. Yeah, Wado does belong now. People forget Wado's young. He just turned 24 not too long ago. He's got a lot of time to develop and to come into his own. Mm. His debut did no favors to him. Again, you bring him in during the intermission of of a show, and he gets laid out by Doki. He looks like a deer in the headlights. You stuck him with Tenzon, who is like the Little League dad you vote most <laughs> likely to get banned from the playground. Um, they did him no favors. If you've also noticed, um, he's got a new um, entrance video now. I think they've changed up the music a little bit. They're they're getting they're 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 um, turning more and more away from that way of the. I mean, he's still called Way of the Grandmaster, but in terms of of the iconography and the video, they've kind of gotten away from that whole uh, wushu stuff that that video initially was. I think 
the time that he has spent with Ibushi, which we know this to be a thing from an interview Ibushi did on um, NJPW 1972, I think right when he was coming back after um, Sakura Genesis. And at the time that Wado has spent with him, his kicks look crisper. Everything just has more meat to it. That was one of my notes in the Robbie Eagles match is that I think a couple years down the line, you're going to be sitting there on commentary going, oh, you should really not be getting into a kick, kicking contest with Watto because uh, yeah. that shit just looks crisp. It sounded meaty. Uh, the, 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 the palm strikes, not so much. I think he needs to lose the glove because that deadened the sound. So while Robbie's palm strikes, you know, at least had a good sound to them, Watto's did not just just ditch the glove. I get why it's there, but maybe turn it into a finger, you know, just just mm-hmm. do something with it to where it's not muffling those strikes as much as they are. Um, I just, but but yeah, I and, and Watto's a guy that I think could be the future of the division. He he, he again, he does all the flippy stuff that you want to see in in a junior mm-hmm. match, especially in a junior tournament. It's just a matter of time and getting the matches under him and rebuilding his confidence because we all know the CML, the uh, excursion to CMLL probably didn't go as well as he would have liked. That was the great discourse. Oh, my God, what's happened to Wado? What's happened to Wado? He looks horrible down in Mexico. Oh, my <laughs> God. And then he came back and looked like a deer in the headlights, and that discourse just continued. I also noted Wado's getting in shape. He was a little flabby yes. and not as defined on his debut. And now he is definitely getting there. He's, he's starting to get that shape that, that Tana likes, you know, that kind of reverse triangle. He's, he's definitely the shoulder areas and the neck is getting built up. Um, you're starting to see some, the, the definition of some abs that might be there. Um, so he's, he's definitely taking this seriously and, and, and putting in the work to improve yeah and uh, as I, I, I did notice what you said about him getting in shape as well he just he looked on he looked almost on a par with Robbie Eagles when they were you know going against each other like physically uh, which is you know, it's nice to see that he's actually kind of improving not just with his confidence and that but physically as well uh, and as you say with his kicks and things like that um, actually his match against Robbie Eagles we might as well just move straight on to Robbie Eagles, the uh, the sniper of the sky, uh, currently sitting on uh, two points after losing on the opening night to Saguchi and then beating Master Watto on night three. Robbie Eagles, you know what you're going to get. The guy is, I think he's fantastic. And he's, since coming in uh, this earlier on this year, uh, or since coming back at least, like getting on the plane, as you say, he has shone uh, and really kind of kept this division going. Um, and his his tag team with Tiger Mask, whilst I was surprised, it's done really well. Um, and then, yeah, seeing him uh, in the best of Super Juniors, I expect him to do well and get uh, at least in the mix towards the end. Um, yeah, I think Rob Eagles is, is one of the be- better talents that they've got uh, in the junior division. What do you think? Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm not sure what we're, we're doing with Robbie now. I was surprised he lost to Taguchi, and honestly, I think his win over Wado was done in a way to somewhat protect Wado. 
because uh, it's just really uh, very similar to the uh, Kanemaru ELP finish, where it's just, okay, Wado was trying to get that sneaky kind of roll up, and um, Robbie was able to just turn it back around and, and, and basically do the same thing and get the pin that time. Mm. Um, I, I love Robbie and the tag team with, with Tiger Mask. I just, I'm trying to figure out what we're doing with Robbie. Robbie's title reign with the belt felt kind of like a gold watch. Thank you for getting on the plane. Um, Rain and also, Hey, thanks for sticking through best of super juniors last year while your dad was, was, was not in the best of health in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure what we're doing with him. So yeah, he'll be in the mix. Maybe he wins best of super juniors. I don't, I, I would not put money on it, but at the same time, I would not be surprised. But I don't know if they would want to run that match with Desperado back at Wrestle Kingdom. No, I, I think she, as you're right, I think he'll be in the mix, but I don't see him winning. Um, I, I don't see him taking that, that title home uh, when it comes to, to the best of Super Juniors. Um <laughs> You said you were surprised that he lost to Taguchi. I know I was as well. Um, we can t- quickly talk about Taguchi because he's a man that I don't think uh, will be in any danger of, of winning this tournament. Um, yes, he's picked up a win on night one against Robbie Eagles, but then lost to Bushi on night three. Um, Taguchi, is the, he's the comedy man, isn't he? But yet when it comes to the best of Super Juniors, he seems to, to flick a switch uh, and, and put in... Decent performances. The the guy can go. He just doesn't. He only seems to do it when it comes to to best of super junior time. Well, and and I think your notes had him as like the junior Yano. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that's because if we remember last year, the only time he really went was the match against Hiromu, and then the rest of the time, yeah, there there was a little bit of serious Taguchi, just like you get the occasional serious Yano. Um, but then the rest of the time is the the typical Taguchi um, bum related offense and the weird Nakamura tributes and things like that. And, and no, you know, Taguchi's in no danger of taking the best of the Super Junior. He'll be in the mix. He'll probably upset somebody and like on like one of the la- later nights to, to even at the points and keep somebody from getting to the finals. Um He's there. It's fine. Now, I did like in the match with Bushi where in the beginning he was kind of mocking Bushi and aping all of Bushi's little moves. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. For the most part, I slot to Gucci with Yano and that I can take or leave him and most of the time I can leave him. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. And I think that's a that's an appropriate description, really. Um and you know what? I'm trying to kind of mer- like keep these going in the same. Someone that you say you can take or leave to Gucci is someone that I think we can leave. Uh, at least in my opinion, is Yo. He just the the he's currently sitting on uh, zero points, losing to Hiromu on the first night and then Doki on the third night. First night it was over within three minutes or four minutes. Sorry, and I thought that was I, I thought that was a problem, but then. He went ten minutes with Doki on the third night. I don't know. I, just, I don't know what they're doing with Yo. He just looks. I feel that he's lost without his tag team partner, uh, and I just don't see any excitement. I'm afraid when it comes to to those two matches, he just 
they fell flat for me in, in at least in in uh, in Yo's uh, corner. Yeah, I, he just fell flat. I don't know if uh, do you feel that he's going to get bigger and better, or is he destined for the uh, for the doldrums? I I I know I'm I've been saying this a lot as we're talking about best of the super juniors, but I don't know what we're doing with Yo. I loved the match at Cebu Dome against show. I thought that was great. The, you know, that that's the perfect kind of not full blow off to, you know, your tag team blowing up, but it was a perfect kind of middle, middle of the road match within a, a long-term feud like that. Mm-hmm. He showed fire. He showed passion. It was great. I had no problem with show getting the win in that match. And I was hoping to see some of that fire in the best of the super junior especially when in power struggle, he comes out at the end of the, the six man to, to support his chaos brethren and lay a, a beat down on show. I, I was excited. I'm like, okay, this is, this is what we're getting with yo. And we've gotten fuck all nothing. <laughs> and, and I, I don't know what the plan is. I, is, is, are, are we doing a story of, of, of confidence where he's got no confidence? So we're going to sit here and watch him lose if not all of his matches, the majority of the matches. And then he beats show on the final night to maybe keep show out of the finals, which could then set up a special singles match at wrestle kingdom Mm -hmm. to maybe very, very similar to Sonata evil that we got last year leading into, into this year's wrestle kingdom. I I, I don't know. It's I, I hate his gear. It's this weird, all virginal white thing. And, and I, I don't know what we're doing with him between the two when they were Rapongi 3K. I was way higher on on Yo because Yo had the charisma and Yo had the looks and, and Yo could do things. And, you know, at the time, if you had asked me which of those two, if you break up the tag team, is the guy that you push, I would have gone Yo because of that charisma. And that has all disappeared. Yeah, it's it's a shame, isn't it? I mean, he was the the potential was there, but it's uh, now that he's on his own, it just feels like, as I say, he's just gone very flat. Um, just to to round up the best of the super juniors, then uh, we come to Hiromu. Uh, he is sitting on two points, beating Yo uh, after, as I say, after four minutes on the first night, and then losing to Show uh, by rest stoppage on the third night. Um, I love Hiromu's book of notes when it comes to the uh, it comes to the best of Super Junior tournament, um, and it's great to see that come back again. Um, I, I enjoyed the match against Show, but uh, of course the shit hazardry then started, so you know we got more of the same crap there. Uh, but yeah, Hiromu, reliable hand, um, very possibly that he, as we discussed earlier, is a good chance that he wins this. Uh, is there anything more really to, to, to mention on Hiromu? No, I, I, I loved the show match. Um, I loved show working on that, on the surgically, on the surgically repaired shoulder. Um, I would have loved if we had gotten a finish that played more into that limb work. That was real interesting. Um, Hiromu's Hiromu. You know what you're going to get. You're going to get high energy He's going to do some wild stuff. Um, I like Junior, 
Hiromu ten times more than I like trying to be heavyweight Hiromu. Um, you know, I've said earlier that I think it. I I do not agree with the call to to pull him to push him up to a heavyweight. I think you've got something very special in Hiromu, and that he could be Liger, and be the stalwart of your division for his entire career and have that kind of storied career. I don't know if New Japan's going to do that. I think they'll probably just move him up. But I, I would love it if he stayed a junior his entire career. Um, I think when he moves up to heavyweight, he loses a little something of his specialness because he tries too hard to fit into the New Japan heavyweight main event style, which I don't think really plays to, to what makes Hiromu special. But on the flip side, I get he's got to change his style if he wants to have any longevity. Um, he can't keep being the full balls-to-the-wall guy because that eventually is going to end very badly for him, um, considering the, the string of injuries he's already had. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, you get what you get with Hiromu. It's always going to be a good time. It's always going to be a good match. It's, you know, there's not one that you can sit there and go, it's an absolute pile of, of shit. Um, I will say the show match, this one is probably one of my favorite ones that he's done this year. I wasn't too keen on his Wrestle Kingdom stuff. Um, and I definitely did not like the um, match he had, he had against show at Castle Attack. I think that's a prime example of why neither of those guys at this moment should move up to the heavyweight division. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you on that one. Um, yeah, I think, I, I know I said this uh, you know, earlier, a show looks like a heavyweight for me and it, I, I can see him moving up, but I think the yeah you're right in the sense that the junior division needs people like Hiromu and it needs people like show to to kind of keep things going at least until they bring in or, or build up someone um, and establishes them as a as a true competitor. I mean, show's show's got the look to move up right now. That's, I mean, and that's a, a, another big difference between what has happened to him and Yo since Rapungi Three K broke up is that show's got a definite look and a definite vibe now. I mean, we can make fun of the evil gamer music that he's got now, and we can kind of kind of laugh at his gear because that's also gamer inspired, but it's a look, it's a vibe and he's leaning into it. And, and also we can, you know, joke all we want about the funny faces that he's making, but he's taking this opportunity and he's running with it and he's doing some stuff and he's trying to differentiate himself. And he's, he's got a definite character and feel and vibe where kind of just quick track backtracking to yo, yo doesn't have any of that right now. Yeah. Uh -huh. No, that's, uh, I'll get your take on that. And uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to disagree with you, to be honest. <laughs> um, so that, that kind of wraps up our, at least our, our Japanese uh, section. Do um, we, do, uh, you, we, we haven't really touched about the Young Lions. And you, uh, said, yeah. and you said there's one that's really been uh, standing out for you. Yeah, you know what? And I've been deleting my notes as I go along. So, <laughs> oops. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that was. Um, I me. may still have. Let me. You know what? I've got. I've got it here. It's uh, Nakashima. Yeah. Um, he's yeah. uh, obviously in the first two nights he was he was in a match, uh, and the third night he wasn't as the way they're doing the rotation. And 
yeah, he's the one that's impressed me out of out of all three. I mean, all three look solid. They're young lines. They're going to be uh, consistent in in their performances anyway. Uh, I mean, all three matches were uh, time limit draws, but yeah, I'm. I think at least he's the one that stood out for me over the the three nights. Uh, the the young lions, um, you know, I think it's a good setup the way they've done this. Uh, I know they did it. Uh, uh, I think wasn't the G one was it? It might have been the, the tournament before, but would have had the um, so you'd have the young lion match as the opener, and then straight into the tournament matches, which is what they're doing to that like in this tournament. Um, which uh, have you watched the young lion matches as well? And has any of them stood out for you? Yeah, so I mean, I, I sat through all three young lion matches, and yeah, um, Uto is. Was 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 my main takeaway as well. I loved his selling of the elbow, which is a very easy thing, obviously, for him to do. But mm-hmm. um, I love that he was leaning into it. I love that the other young lions were working on that um, and just kind of showing that continuity. Um, yeah, he's he's heading. He's a standout for me. I mean, they're all full of piss and vinegar. Uh, <laughs> and if anything, I would say it, it's Kose. That is the least uh, pissy and vinegary. He he's got fire, but he's he's not imprinting on me the way that um, Yuto and o- Oiwa are imprinting. Mm. Um, and I I you know, but but you know, that I mean that's the thing with young lions though is that you know especially this early on it's just you know what connection they're making with the crowd because you know you can they can do the Boston Crabs. You know they can do the drop kicks. They've got all the fundamentals, but it's it's your selling and your emotion and creating that connection with the crowd to cheer for you when you're getting put into that Boston Crab. Mm. Yeah, and I think, I mean, all three of these young lions, Oiwa, uh, Kosei, and uh, Yuto Nakashima, you know, they're all of the same, a similar sort of level. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, I think it's a good way to open the show. The fans are starting to buy into to, to seeing these guys. And I've got to say, the Young Lion kind of set up the way it's done. Yeah, I'm fully behind it. I love it. I love the way that New Japan do it uh, and bring these guys through, you know, send them on excursion and, and see them kind of improve. And I'll touch on that as we go into to the strong stuff as well, because obviously there's uh, Yuya Uemura and uh, Renderita uh, doing things over in the States. Um, but yeah, I, I love the Young Lion uh, project, I suppose, is uh, uh, what you could call it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so that was the Young Lions. Um, so yeah, okay. So I think that is, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about, at least on the Japanese side of things before we have a look at, at the US? No, I, I think we've, I think we've covered it all. Yeah. I think we've, we've done well. That's uh, uh, an hour and three quarters nearly. So uh, we will, we will get through the New Japan Strong stuff. Um, now, this weekend, we had Battle in the Valley on Saturday the 13th of November in San Jose. But before that, there was uh, about an hour, and a, an hour and a half of New Japan Strong uh, as part of the Showdown Tour. There's a couple of key talking points uh, from this. Uh, just The four matches on the card was Alex Zane against Arya Davari. Uh, Zane uh, winning that one. Danny Limelight and Tom Lawler losing to Fred Rosser and Rocky Romero. Uh, 
We'll come back to that in a second. Jay Wyatt beat Fred Yehai and Minoru Suzuki beat Chris Dickinson. Um, I think the key talking point for, for anyone really and the, where we should probably start this is the Danny Limelight and Tom Lawler against Fred Russell and Rocky Romero. Um, <laughs> Rocky Romero and Fred Russell win the match. The and Initially, uh, Team Filthy then get... Uh, they, they cut Fred Russell's hair uh, and it was an absolute state. And then uh, I think um, Damon and Joel spoke about this on the last episode because obviously it had been pre-recorded and um, and the, the spoilers were out there. Uh, and then Tom Lawler proceeded to put Fred Ross's hair into his mouth, which, I mean, it looked disturbing enough as it was. But I think the key kind of point is the comments in Fred Ross's post-match um, interview. Uh, and... I'll let you take the lead on that one, Nicole. If, uh... I, you know, I actually, you know, I didn't have problem with, with Lawler eating the hair. Um, that's definitely not as disgusting as, say, like two girls, one cup. But in the different direction already. <laughs> I, 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 well, you know. Well, leading into that, I was actually more disturbed by Danny Lamp, uh, Limelight grabbing chunks of the hair, putting them in a Ziploc baggie, and then shoving them down his pants. And then as they're walking towards the back, he kept, you know, he, he shoved the bag down his pants and then he pulled the bag back out and showed the hair. And that that was the, the, the bit that I was looking at going. What, what are we doing here, guys? And I actually had to text Joel and go, look, I don't watch a lot of strong. I, I actually don't watch any of it normally. And, you know, is there like some backstory as to why we had Lawler cutting his hair? And Joel's like, nope. And I went, all right, just checking. <laughs> and then, yeah, Lawler, um, no, not Lawler, I'm sorry. Fred Rosser just went the fuck off. Um. Mr. Uh, Block the Hate is apparently all about the murder. And um, he cuts this promo where it is so incendiary that New Japan has to mute it, even though they continued to subtitle it for the Japanese audience, oh. and um, which I just thought was funny. And apparently the somebody kind of translated what the subtitles were and it was a very kind of sanitized version of Fred Rosser's rants. Clearly he's going somewhere because Rocky just has this reaction of once it, it mutes Rocky just has this look of, Oh fuck. He's (laughs) gone too far. And it, it wasn't like a kind of kayfabe kind of look. It was more of the look of the booker going, Oh my God, you've, you've just crossed a line and, and I don't know how to deal with this in post-production kind of deal. Now, somebody on the Super Jcast Discord went and played lip reader and uh, provided that their lip reading is correct. Fred Rosser goes, and I'm going to murder you in front of your kids. I'm going to bend you over and humble you, you son of a bitch. To the point. Yeah. And, 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 and as other people have noted, the I'm a bend you over and humble you is straight from the Iron Sheik's playbook. If you want to take that into a different connotation as to what he means when he says, I'm a bend you over and humble you, you are more than welcome to do that. 
Um, a lot of us went that way with uh, what he may have meant in those comments. Um, for me, it the 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 bend you over and humble you is Iron Sheik. I'm a murder you in front of your kids. That immediately for me brought up Crazy Tyson post incarceration when mm-hmm. he's telling Lennox Lewis, uh, "I'm I'm going to eat your kids." And uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, and and I'm gonna you know, and he's biting off Holyfield's ear. I paid money to watch that. Um, <laughs> I was not amused on many levels. But yeah, so that it, it gave me more vibes of Tyson because you could definitely lip read and catch murder and kids and kind of put the two together. And then, like I said, they, they bend you over and humble you. Um, a lot of people noted that that's straight up out of the Iron Sheik's playbook. But that's definitely not kind of what we associate with this current incarnation of Rosser. You know, Mr. Block the Hate, no days off, you know, not happy-go-lucky, but a definite normally positive force. And now he's just all about fucking a man up in front of his kids. Yeah. Yeah. It just, uh, it was unexpected that kind of the vitriol and the, and the pure kind of disgust in, in Ross's voice. You know, he, th- this man was angry. Uh, and yeah. I, I completely agree when it comes to Rocky Romero's face. Cause it almost looks like he's just kind of gone. Oh fuck. Uh, yeah, you, you can see the cogs turning, and he's just like, "I'm in trouble." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I think that was the the biggest talking point from that uh, episode of New Japan Strong, um, which you know we can kick straight into battle in, battle in the valley. Um, it took. Well, unless you unless you got something else, sorry, I just uh, no. Um, you, uh, the only the only thing I would want is is shout out to that Dickinson Suzuki match. I think that might have been Suzuki one of Suzuki's best matches on his little barnstorming U.S. tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a great showcase for for Dickinson. Also in um, Fred Ye is it Yehi Yehi Yehi. Um, and the Jay White match, um, I would, I, I know people are sitting here going, oh, I want to see, you know, Dickinson over and I want to see Lawler and I want to see West Coast Wrecking Crew and I want to see this person and that person. Um, I want to get, I want to get Yehi over. I, I liked him a lot in that white match. He was able mm. to, to, to hold his own with Jay um, and look like he belonged. And it showed me enough that I would like, to see him have a little a little run in Japan and, and bring him over for a tour and see what he does. Yeah, no arguments from me. That's uh, he's, he's a very talented individual. Uh, I, I think I'm fairly sure I've seen him wrestle uh, over here um, uh, for Revolution Pro Wrestling. I think um, I mean I've seen a few, fair few people there, but uh, I'm fairly sure I've seen Fred Yehai. Um but yeah, definitely uh, seeing some of the stuff that he's done over in the states, and he's uh, it, it, yeah, there's a lot of potential there for him to become a uh, a lot of big star. Yeah, his, his move set and and the way he he's, he just moves around the ring with ease. Uh, he's very familiar. It's as if he's been doing it all his life. Um, so yeah, so just uh, we'll, we'll we'll go straight on to battle in the in the valley uh, before we wrap things up. Um, there was what one two three four five six. So we had eight matches on this card. It was pretty stacked. Um, 
it was a good way to get New Japan kind of out there again. It was one of their, you know, one of their kind of big shows, and they they obviously put a bit of effort in by bringing in over uh, Okada and Ishii. Let's. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt you here because yeah. let's let's get the elephant or one of the elephants out of the room with this show. And you talk about New Japan putting in a lot of effort and bringing in Ishii and bringing in Okada and putting on this this pretty stacked show that on paper looked great. You had Will as well against Ren Narita. Mm -hmm. And so you put all this effort in to get your stars on this show and you had that fucking production value. We sit here and we're, we're all kind of cherry picking who out of all these releases from ROH and WWE, who we want to bring over and who we would like to see in a new Japan ring. You know what I want to see us sign and who bring over? I want us to see us bring over the ROH production crew and stop making these shows look like absolute pieces of shit visually. This is your big show. This is one of your problem, you know, pay-per-view level, putting on as many matches as you would put on a Power Struggle or any of your other major Japanese shows. And it looked like I was watching like a 244p level on YouTube. And that is inexcusable. Forget the fact that the Japanese feed uh, looked like it was just somebody screen camming it from a feed and not even getting like proper feed from San Jose. Let's forget that for a second. It just looked horrible. And if you're trying to make a statement and you're trying to get people to watch your product, that is not the way to do it. And, and I don't know what's going on. Um, and from a production standpoint, the hard cam was placed in a horrible position and whoever was cutting it in the production truck should have been fired mid-match. Just, just horrible and inexcusable. And we talk about this every time that there's a major show in the U.S. And it's not been the same since they stopped their relationship with ROH or gone to, to, to whatever they're, they're, they're phrasing their relationship with ROH. It's clearly not involving the production staff. And we need to bring those guys over. I don't care how much money it costs. But if you're going to continue to do major shows in the U.S., You've got to up your production game and stop looking Mickey Mouse. Yeah, no, no arguments with me uh, from me there. I think you've you've hit the nail right on the head uh, in that respect. The the production was poor. Uh, I mean, I think the thing that that I noticed it looked. Uh, so I watched it on 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 the world feed the day after when they had the English commentary, and it almost felt jolty. Like it just it didn't seem smooth, and the amount of times that the camera was pointing either at the floor or at the ring apron instead of what was going on in the ring, um, and you'd see the camera almost the cameraman move with the camera. It was it was really poorly done for a company that you know when they're doing shows in Japan, they're well oiled and they're they're fairly seamless. Um, they know what they're doing there. It's just they won't. So they'll, they'll fly over Okada and Ishii, but they won't fly over their, their full-on kind of production team, you know, which, as you said, it, it lets them down. 
and, and I get not flying over the production team. It cost a lot of money to get that many bodies and, and visas and, and things like that. So I get that. I get why you're not bringing the actual production guys over. But you're in California. You're telling me that you couldn't spend a little bit of money and get some guys out of L.A. that know what the fuck they're doing, that have experience to make this happen and to not make it look so cheap and small time and shindy. Come on. Yeah, it's uh, that's you know, that is probably the biggest disappointment of the show um and well other than dickinson's injury i think that's that was quite up there as well but it's just i think the frustration is as you've said it just doesn't get any better no matter how many times that that new japan come over to the states and put on shows it's just not improving is it no it's 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 actually getting worse I i don't i think i think resurgence looked better than this, and I had issues with how Resurgence looked and how Resurgence was cut from a production, you know, truck point of view. But that looked ten times better than what we got with Battle in the Valley. And I watched, I watched the uh, the World Feed live, um, and you know, so it stutters when Yuya is coming out. So you're just staring at this still of Yuya getting into the ring while the commentary is still going on, um, and it just you know, it took what could have been a contender for show of the year for New Japan. And let's be honest, New Japan does not have a lot of shows in contention for that mm. that that end of the year title. But it took a show that on paper and for the most part match wise, you know, wouldn't have a problem if somebody wanted to make it their show of the year. And it just took it down away from that because it looks so small time. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I mean, we'll come to the matches in a second because uh, there were some of the bits there that they, some bits really shone even though the production value was was in the gutter. Um, you know, there's there's a few kind of key bits that, that I want to talk about. Um, but I think, yeah, hopefully one day soon. I mean, the thing is, with Ring of Honor um, now, being on what is it a, a five month or four month sabbatical? They've they've left their talent all out of uh, uh, contracts. You know, you'd hope that maybe the uh, the production guys, the guys behind the scenes, are, are not necessarily in the same boat as being out of a job, but able to to come over to someone like New Japan because they've got not as much work, and New Japan can make use of them and up their production values. Yeah, and then also side note. The ring was squeaky as fuck. Oh, I didn't notice that. Um, I might be confusing it with Strong, but it was either Strong or or Battle in the Valley where you could just hear everything on that ring, just a squeak, squeak as it was moving. And again, it's just it's just one of those production things where it's like mm. hi- hire guys from ROH, hire local guys out of LA, but but just you, you got to do something absolutely do something if you want to continue to make inroads in the Western market. Mm. Yeah, I mean, looking at the, uh, so we've been talking for nearly two hours now. Um, so I think we'll, we'll zip through the, uh, the battle in the Valley card. Um, 
I'll, I'll run through the card as to what it was, and then we'll just go over any kind of key points. I think that uh, that we that come from it, uh, if that's okay with you. Yeah. Yeah, so um, so it started off. We had Yuya Uemura uh, taking on Josh Alexander. Josh Alexander won that one. Um, <clears throat> Violence Unlimited uh, again, uh, which was Chris Dickinson and Brody King against uh, the Stray Dog Army. Uh, Bateman and I've not written down the other guy's name, so I apologise for my poor preparation in that one. Um, it's a, it was it was Bateman and Mysterioso. Mysterioso, that was it. So uh, that was the kind of. Uh, highlighted by the the Dickinson injury, which uh, we'll come back to. So the third match on the card, Team Filthy against the the mishmash team of Fred Rosser, David Finley, Rocky Romero, Alex Coglin, and Alex Zane. Um, we had a tag match, Jeff Cobb and TJP of the United Empire losing to uh, Ryan, uh, Carl Fredericks and uh, Clark Connors. We had Ren Narita taking on Will Ospreay, uh, the supposed real New Japan Pro Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, Moose versus Juice Robinson. Kazuchika Okada versus Buddy Matthews. And Tomohiro Ishii against Jay White for the Never Open Weight title. Um, as I said, there's some, there's a few talking points, at least in my opinion. The Dickinson injury stands out for me. It was... Uh, a nasty injury. We've already talked about the fact that he's going to be out for five to, to six months. I thought it was the match was going really well, and then as soon as Dickinson landed on that frog splash, um, you, you saw him pull up, and you knew something was wrong, didn't you? Yeah, I I, I thought it was a hammy, uh, just the because of of where he was grabbing, and then obviously um, I give props to the other three guys and to the referee for realizing that. You know, once they realized that Dickinson was not going to be able to continue the match um, to at least get us to some kind of actual conclusion without having to throw up the X mm-hmm. uh, Mysterio. So and um, Brody kind of doing some quick kind of Lucha stuff and, and a little bit, a little bit of high flying outside of the ring. And then Bateman, I guess, kind of finding a way that he could pin um, Dickinson without further exasperating that injury. Mm-hmm. Um, to at least get us to a to a proper finish, um, so yeah, definitely um, kind of shout out to them for for making that happen because this is a horribly cursed promotion right now. And as disappointing as it was to to see Dickinson get the injury and to see them have to stretcher him out, I don't know from a mood standpoint how we we all would have been kind of finishing up this show if they'd had to throw the X up, considering less than a month ago. You know, we we saw that X having to basically go up for a bushi and having mm. to, to witness that. So I'm glad we didn't get you know full on kind of re-traumatized to seeing favorite wrestlers getting stretchered out of the ring. I think yeah, I think as you say, it was handled exceptionally well by the the other wrestlers involved, by the referee and by the commentators as well. I think that uh, Kevin Kelly and um, that irritating Alex Kozlov. Uh, he just, uh, I swear, he needs to just fuck off. But um, they they did well by focusing on what was going on outside the ring with Brody King and Mysterioso. You know, they could see that obviously Dickinson was in trouble, and you know they kind of sold it that oh, oh hang on, we didn't see what happened. You know, when it when when Bateman pinned Dickinson, 
it was very much, oh, we didn't see what happened. We were too busy looking at Brody King and uh, Mysterioso. They really kind of sold that that they weren't paying attention to the fact that Dickinson was was getting the the, the medical attention that he needed, or at least getting the attention that he needed. Um, I think they handled it exceptionally well, which is you know kudos to to everyone involved there. I think that was that was well done. Yeah. Yeah, now I, and I want to quick hop back to the opener with Yuya and Alexander. Um, I thought that was a hot opener. Yuya is just excelling and growing um, with his excursion to the LA Dojo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we can all in agreement that we would love to see more of Alexander in a New Japan ring. But at least I at least wanted us to, to give Yuya some flowers because that was a great opener. Yeah, Yuya as well as, as well as Ren um, have both shone from their excursions in the US, and you know Yuya is doing exceptionally well. It was, as you say, it was a great opener against against Alexander, and his his young lion compadre um, did a superb uh, job against Will Osprey a couple of matches later down the card. I think you know I know there's issues with Will Osprey and people not necessarily like. Some people can do it, some people can't. They disassociate the person from the match, and and I can do that. Will you know? Will as a person, you know, great asshole. It's for all from all kind of intents and purposes. But when it comes to what he does in the ring, he does it exceptionally well, and he can make other people look good as well. And there was an element of that, plus the fact that Ren has come on in leaps and bounds from his time, uh, you know, his early t- early days as a like young lion in Japan. You know, he looked credible. I don't think we ever really thought he was going to win, um, but he, he looked like he was putting up a hell of a fight against Will Ospreay. And I think that was, that was a, I thought that was a fantastic match and all credit to, again, it comes back to the fact that the young line system works and these guys, when they've got the talent, it, it shines through. That was my match of the night. Um, and I'm, I'm a little sad that it wasn't higher up the card. I understand why, you know, you've got Okada. You got to have, if you're not going to have Okada in the main, you got to have Okada in the semi-main. I get that. Um, I kind of maybe would have liked to have seen this before or actually after Juice and Moose. Um, But yeah, this was, this was my head and shoulders match of the night. This might be my favorite will match of the year. Um, I know I am an outlier in that I did not like any of his Shingo matches this year. Um, I enjoyed the Ibushi match at Sakura Genesis. Um, the Okada match was good at Wrestle Kingdom, but this is the Will Ospreay that I want to see. Um, the guy that doesn't have to get all of his shit in, because mm. sometimes Will does a match and it feels like he's working off a checklist. Oh, I got Pip-Pip Cheerio in. Oh, I got Robinson Caruso special sauce number five (laughs) in i got this move in i got that move in um and that wasn't and that was not the case in this match he made narita look like a star and that's what i want to see from will that's what i want to see from all all your top guys your tippy top guys should have the ability to make guys look like stars even when you beat them and he mm-hmm. did that with Narita. I also like the fact that he finished the match with the hidden blade. He, tr- you know, he was trying to get Stormbreaker, but that the match finished with hidden blade. I love that because I think hidden blade should be his finisher. 
because that's just just a nasty move. Um, but yeah, I, I echo everything you you pretty much said. Yeah, Will Will as a person is is a great A twat, um, but he has his moments in ring where you can appreciate what he's doing in ring. And for me, this was this was like my highlight of of the year from Will. This is a match that I would maybe go back and rewatch. Um, especially with English comms. Cause again, I watched, I watched live with the Japanese comms. So I wouldn't mind as much as I hate Kozlov <laughs> and, um, I am with the majority that is saying, just put him in the bin. I understand Rocky trying to get, get his mate a job, but like, you got to find something else to do with Kozlov. Yeah. Yeah. He's, 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 he's not the guy that should be on comms, whether yeah. it's with, um, uh, drama King, Matt, uh, or on Strong or with Kevin Kelly on these bigger shows, Kozlov just he's dull. He's dull, he's dull as dishwater. He really is, and it just he adds nothing to the show for me. Uh, I'm sorry, but yeah, they need someone else in that seat. They really do. Um, yeah, you know, a couple of other things from from this show. Uh, you mentioned the Moose and Juice. Uh, at least you'd, you'd have preferred the the Will match probably after that. Um, I know you said you, you, you don't really watch anything uh, or not watch WWE for a long time or anything else, really. Uh, Impact is where Moose is is at home. I've seen him a couple of times, and, and whether it's on Impact or whether it's on New Japan, I don't get it. I don't get the fuss. He's Yes, he's talented, but he's nothing special for me. Um, I just I don't get the, the kind of the hype. And when he's in a, a match against Juice Robinson, who someone else that I was behind um, when I started to get into New Japan I was surprised that he was in a match against Cody on Wrestle, uh, Wrestle Kingdom 11 um, but I've seen him progress and become better and better and his tag team with Finley has been fantastic but I'm not getting this whole Macho Man tribute gimmick uh, he ends up looking like a bit of a twat um, it just doesn't suit him and to me I suppose well, this is this was my most forgettable but yet memorable match because it was two pit bits that I just felt irritated by. Um, the only positive being the the appearance of of Jonah or the artist formerly known as Bronson Reed in NXT uh, at the end. I think Jonah, you know, he's a he's a big athletic guy, and you know he can do the the, the flippy shit that some people like that the. the uh, the smaller guys can do, but yet he's got that power, you know, to to really kind of fit in on on New Japan Strong. So I'm excited to see where where Jonah goes. But that was probably the biggest positive for me out of that that match. Um, I don't suppose you, you with with at least with New Japan, you've seen Juice, haven't you? Are you kind of are you behind him or are you fed up with him at the moment? It's so first uh, to to lead into. To this, I want to quick jump back to the 10 man because um, that had Finlay and Coglin. First, I want to throw mm-hmm. some flowers at Coglin. I think between Coglin, Connors, and Fredericks, he is head and shoulders above the three out of the three. Mm-hmm. Why they don't graduate him um, is beyond me. Um, I think he's do it. Um, and then we had Finlay in that match, who's just there. And that's how I felt about this juice and moose match. It was just there. I mm. don't understand why we had it. Um, as far as I can tell, 
there, there, there's not like some, some major program between Juice and Moose and Impact. It was just Juice showing up going, ah, I'd like to fight you. You know, Juice has been in this this program with Hikuleo on Strong, where I feel like in 2030, we're going to have on night 21 of Wrestle Kingdom and Beppu <laughs> an opening match between Hikuleo and Juice, because it just feels never ending. Um, I've watched Juice in New Japan. Um, I was all on board with Juice, like in 2018 and 2019. Um, one of the best promos out there. Great guy. You could see the effort. I don't know. I'm, and, and I'm going to tie Jay White into this, and let's kind of just address the other elephant in the room from this show is what the fuck are we doing with these three guys, Finley, Juice, and White? Um, I watched, because I'm insane, I watched the Juice-Enzo match. That was, um, I think, North Northeastern Wrestling. Um, that was like a 15-minute time limit draw. Like, Juice can't even be booked to beat Enzo. <laughs> Let's think about this for a second. Juice can't be booked to beat Enzo. This is how far he has fallen. Yeah. And and these three guys, um, I know there are some questions and some ideas that maybe, you know, Jay didn't get on a plane because he's trying to get a green card. The guys mentioned that last week. I think Kevin Kelly had mentioned that in one of the G1 commentaries that Jay's trying to get a green card. So I kind of get that. Um, but I came away from this show feeling the same way I did about the elite at the end of Wrestle Kingdom 13. Everybody was doing business on their way out of town. Um, and New Japan, to me, feels like they are booking these guys like they're not coming back next year. As we talked about a little bit earlier, I don't see Finley and Juice getting on a plane to go to Japan no. for Wrestle Kingdom. I would love to see it because we need the bodies, but if they don't, I'm not going to be sad. Um, Jay, I, I, I would I would be sad if he left New Japan. Um, I, I think the world could be his oyster with New Japan if he stuck around. But I get it if he doesn't want to. Um, but with these three guys, I'm like, I'm done with them. It feels like New Japan is done with them. They have not booked them well at all. It's, you know, because you've got these three guys and you would think common sense would say, okay, you've got three really talented guys that even a casual Western fan is somewhat aware of, especially Jay, who was hotter than hot at the end of Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, when's the last time that we talked about a Wrestle Kingdom main event where the loser was the bigger talking point than the winner? And rightfully so, because Jay came out of that looking like a mega star. And now this is where we're at with Jay, where much like with Tanahashi, I don't know what Jay's program for Wrestle Kingdom would even be if they flew him over. What the fuck are you doing with him? What the fuck are you doing with Juice? And what the fuck are you doing with Finley? Because they haven't been using them on Strong, which is what I would have done. All right, I got these three guys. And yeah, I don't want to take away from my Strong product, but I got a real easy way to get some additional eyeballs on my product and to grow it and to give them something to do 
while they're in the States and waiting for Japan to make it a little bit easier to come and go. And they haven't done that outside of, you know, Juice's never ending feud with Hikuleo. Impact has barely used them. They've used Finley and Juice a little bit more than Jay. Jay was there for what, like three matches and then nothing. He's not been on AEW, which again, I can understand if you're sitting there going, well, what what do you do with Jay and AEW? Okay, I don't know what you do with him, but you could probably do something with him. You know, they're finding uses for Rocky Romero. I love Rocky, no slight on Rocky. You know, I think Ren Narita got a dark match. Um, You could, Tony Khan is a smart man. He could find something to do with Jay. I, I feel fairly confident that there's a couple program options out there that they could have run with if they had wanted to. Um, but they haven't done that. They've all sat on their asses. Jay's done um, warrior wrestling, fighting Corey Graves' brother in the ME in a high school gym. You went from main eventing Wrestle Kingdom to being the most talked about guy in the industry to working a high school gym against Corey Graves' brother. What are we doing? What are you doing? Why should I even care at this point? Juice, all the Juice Moose match felt like it was just a setup for Jonah. And so once again, Juice is laying down for another WWE former employee. The same thing with Cody, the same thing with Mox. Finley doesn't even get that. Finley's just in a 10-man match, and he's kind of there, and he didn't do much. Um, I guess they'll be working on the strong tapings. Um, I haven't seen the spoilers. I've seen some of the, 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 the graphics, and that's fine. But at this point, what are we doing with them? And I don't think it's a damn thing, but just waiting for their contracts to, to time out and let them go do something else. And at this point, outside of Jay, on some level, I could care less. I'm I'm almost speechless. That was uh, awesome. (laughs) I I loved that. Absolutely brilliant. You've you've hit all the, the points there and hit the nail on the head, I think, and probably summed up a lot of people's thoughts there. Um, There's not much I can add to that. I mean, looking at the rest of the card uh, from the Battle in the Valley, there's nothing I really want to talk to. I think you've kind of put me me down there. I can't can't think of what to say. (laughs) Sorry about that. No. um, You know, we should definitely talk about Okada and Buddy. Um, That was a good match. I don't think it was a great match. Um, But Buddy showed that he can play at this level. It was the match that I think we needed to see out of Buddy because obviously if you can't hold your own against Okada, there's no reason to think that you can hold your own against the rest of the roster. And again, much like Will, Okada did his job and made Buddy look good. Um, my biggest thing with the Okada is that pop for Okada was insane. Had to be the biggest pop of the night. Yeah, definitely. The fans love him, and I think that's whether that's in Japan or whether that's in the States. You hear that you hear that music hit, and, and you go mad. You know, it's just he is a new Japan pro wrestling superstar that no matter where he goes, people will take notice. And this is why you don't have or let 
Okada or Naito or Tanahashi or Ibushi show up at other promotions. Yes, it's called a fantasy book. And yeah, we would love to see some of those potential matches. But the reason why Okada gets the pop that he gets when he comes to America is because he is a special attraction. We do not get to see Okada all the time. And that, and for these pay-per-views, that, that's basically what I'm calling shows like Resurgence mm. and Battle in the Valley, you need that pop. You need that special attraction. And if you have them work dynamite and you have them work impact and you have them work even strong tapings, you dilute that specialness. I was at G1 in Dallas and I was part of that crowd that for five minutes just stomped and cheered for Tanahashi and Okada while they did absolutely nothing and stared at each other in the ring because all 6,000 of us knew that we would probably never get the opportunity to see these two great men in the ring again, because how many of us are really going to have the luxury to fly to Japan for a Wrestle Kingdom or for a random New Japan show that they may be on? Not all of us can do that. And that was special. And that's why that crowd pops when they see Okada, because they know they're saying something special. But you throw him on a dynamite, and that specialness is gone. And speaking of specialness, let's talk about Ishii. Being on dynamite this week in a match with Orange Cassidy against the Butcher and the Blade. This is a prime example of how you dilute specialness. You've got Ishii, very popular in the West, probably more popular, probably right up there with Okada, Tanahashi, Ibushi, and Naito for who Western fans want to see. And you've got him in a tag match with Orange Cassidy against the Butcher and the Blade. What are we doing? Now I will now I will concede that maybe a program maybe may have been meant for Mox, right? Because I'm sure Ishii is on Mox's little wish list of guys he would like to face in AEW. And Tony doesn't want to get those 2 a.m. calls of Mox just going, get me a Japanese guy. Um, so I'm willing to concede that maybe the original plan was Ishii and Mox for maybe a little dynamite program, especially now that he's got the never open weight championship. Um, but, but that just blows my mind. I think it's a horrible usage of him. I hope they make a Danielson match. I hope they make that work because apparently Danielson asked for Ishii backstage because by that point it had gotten out that Ishii was going to be on Dynamite and that would be a match that I would want to see. And that's a special match. If you're going to have these guys pop up in these other promotions, that's the type of matches you need to have them in. You have to need, need to have them in special matches. Danielson Ishii, Daniel Gar uh, Garcia Ishii, Wheeler Yuta Ishii, just fun dream matches. That's the type you need to have, not in weird tag matches. I don't get it. But that is a prime example of why I, I think the Forbidden Door is swinging the way that it swings. That, you know, yeah, you're getting New Japan guys on AEW, but it's dads. It's Rocky. It's, you know, Ren Narita doing like a single dark match. Um, you're getting eyeballs, but you can't risk the specialness for your own shows. You got to keep that for yourself. 
Yeah, I get the the dilution is is very true when it comes to Ishii. It's he's being put into dynamite in a filler match. It, it, it has no bearing on the general kind of progression of dynamite, which is a shame. Um, <clears throat> now that I've had a bit of time to kind of collect my thoughts again, after uh, um, I just a couple of things um, to point out. Alex Coglin, I know you mentioned that he stands out above the rest of the the, the strong young lions. Um, him deadlifting Jr. Kratos in the uh, in the ten man tag was. Like an incredible feat of strength, you know. It, it looked superb, and the, the crowd bought it, and the crowd were fully on his side. Absolutely loved that. Um, and going to what you said about the Okada and Buddy Matthews match, yeah, it's exactly what we needed from Buddy Matthews. Um, I think he made a very good impression on the New Japan fans. I think he's he's someone that could uh, be a regular on Strong, and people will get behind him, or at least or see him as a heel. He he can work both ways, and I think he's he's very very positive uh, addition to the to the team. Um, the the one other thing I think just to mention before we kind of wrap like start to wrap up after the Okada Matthews match, yeah, o- um, Will Ospreay came out, didn't he? And so we're getting double dash essentially again when it comes to to Wrestle Kingdom. So the first night of Wrestle Kingdom we'll see Okada take on Shingo for the for the the title that Shingo holds. Um, and then on the second night we'll say Ospre- we'll see Osprey challenge the winner. Um do we really have to go through all this again? It's it just it's just like uh, I mean I suppose it was always going to happen when they made a third night of of Wrestle Kingdom but I mean, come on, guys! This is it. Just this is like the third year on the bounce. We've done something like this, isn't it? Unfo- the, the the funniest part of this is Naito sitting there going, I, "I'm on the roster and and, I, and I'm an employee of this company, and, and I don't understand what's going on." Bitch, you started this. <laughs> All this double dash bullshit is Naito's fault. Um, because you had to be a special boy and have two titles when you didn't have a fucking claim to either of them. And, and you've started us down this, this, this rabbit hole of hell of double gold dash. At least the first go around at least kind of made a little bit of sense. You know, all right, we're going to have the IC match. I'm going to have the the V4 match, and then the win- those two winners face each other. That at least made some sense. Then they fucked up last year. All you had to do to make that make sense was have Ibushi and Jay go night one, and then the winner faces Naito on night two. Very easy. But I get it. You need to have the heavyweight belt main event. January 4th because it's legacy and that's the main night of Wrestle Kingdom um, but you've managed to fuck that up and then speaking of dilution multiple nights of Wrestle Kingdom basically dilutes Wrestle Kingdom and now we're up to three so now we gotta find a way to fill this mess um, I, I wonder if this was the original plan because obviously I, I would hope that the booking committee was not sitting there going, well, you know, um, odds are pretty good that maybe Will Ospreay is going to fuck his neck up and have to vacate the title. Um, so we're going to let him go home with a copy w- with his own version of the belt. So when he gets healthy, he can pop the fuck back up and do, I'm the real world champion. Um, I'm just, like, I like, 
that's obviously not what happened. Um, so in that regards, it's them making, you know, again, chicken salad out of chicken shit. Um, but it also plays into the fact that Will won't get on a fucking plane. Will will get on a plane to go to England and work Rev Pro shows, but you can't get him on a fucking plane to come to Japan and to settle this shit. So now this is how we're settling it. Um, again, I I would prefer maybe Shingo and Will night one facing Okada night two. But then that leads into the issue of does New Japan view Shingo and Will as main eventers together for Wrestle Kingdom without having them basically be one half of a Wrestle Kingdom main event with somebody like Okada? And I think the answer is clearly no. Mm. Um, obviously, there is some debate. I know I'm not the only person that thinks this, that the idea that these two failed attempts at having Shingo versus Obushi for the title was to get the title on Obushi and to get it off of Shingo. Because I'm pretty sure also New Japan probably really didn't have plans for Shingo to go into G1 as the champion. I think they probably would have preferred, especially after Naito did his knee in, to have maybe get the title off of Shingo at Power Struggle. And then you'd have Shingo and Sonata for World Tag League. And that's perfectly fine. But again, Abushi had to shatter his shoulder. So you got to have Naito basically show back up for World Tag League. Because Naito's sitting here going, they didn't rush me back. Well, normally when you say they didn't rush me back, they rushed you back. And Naito's insane. Naito would have come back one way or the other anyway. Um, so, th- so this is where we're left with only one of your four main eventers that you normally count on to do Wrestle Kingdom are actually in a position to do Wrestle Kingdom. Um I think losing Ibushi, I think, hurts way more than we want to talk about. Because as Joel has talked about on previous episodes of the J-Cast, since 2018, Ibushi has been counted on to main event a lot of the big shows in a lot of the major houses. Whether it's Budokan or Tokyo Dome. And if he's not main eventing, he's semi-maining. And you don't have him. You may have him. The timeline means... You have an outside chance of having him for night three. I wouldn't do it. I would have him do one of these 50th anniversary shows and Mm. that be his return. But I also could easily see night two, Okada is there holding however many belts he's going to be holding. What, at least three between the fake belt, the real belt and V4. And he's starting to make it rain and Abushi's music hits. And he goes, hey, what about Yokohama? I wouldn't run it at Yokohama, but I could definitely see New Japan doing that if Ibushi can go. Um, But this is where we're at, where you don't have a lot of, you know, and and this kind of leads back to the problem. You know, we talked about it with the junior division. We also have it with the heavyweight division of making stars and making credible people that you can, that can main event these major shows and put asses in seats and put money in pockets and you don't have a lot of those guys right now, and I don't think New Japan feels that Shingo is that guy. So that's why you've got him facing Okada, and then that's why he's probably going to lose to Okada, and Okada's going to then face Will. They don't trust him to go together. No. Uh, you know what? I think, I mean, you've you've covered that pretty well, or oh, very well, actually. And uh, 
uh, there's nothing more I can add to that. I mean, it's, I think it's about time we. Uh, that's it's a good way to to wrap up this this podcast. Um, is there anything that you want to get off your chest quickly before we we close the door and say goodbye to this uh, um, guest hosting I, of of Super Jcast? I want to quick. Um, I'm not going to get into any of the dis. I'm only going to get to one Discord question. Um, a couple of them were mainly meant to wind me the fuck up about Golden Lovers and Ibushi and AEW. And hey, if we get to come back next week, um, I can definitely tackle that one then. Um, so I do apologize because everybody was looking forward to that. Um, mm-hmm. But hopefully you kind of got a little bit of what y'all wanted from a ranty perspective. Um, but I do want to touch um, because Joel asked about sumo. Um, so the Kushu Basho started on Sunday. And what Joel wanted to ask me was what I think of, of, of sumo in a post-Hakuho world. Um, it is very weird. Um, I've been watching sumo since 2015, and this is obviously the first time I've looked at a Bonsake and not have Hak- and not have Hakuho's name on it. Um, and that is very weird for me. I think sumo is in a transition period. We're talking about stars in New Japan. Sumo doesn't have, I think right now, anybody that can be the next Yokozuna. Maybe Hoshororu. I like how he looks. Um, I think it's a, still a little too early on him. I am done with Takakesho. I love him. I think he's a little too brittle. I've never liked Shodai. Um, I could go on a whole rant about Shodai and how I think he's probably going to end up being one of the worst fucking Ozekis that uh, Sumo has ever seen in the modern era. I love Mataki Yumi. He's already got two U shows. Um, I don't think he has it mentally. Um, so I, it's very interesting times for Sumo. If you want to get on, this would actually probably be a really great time to hop on. You need to go find from day two of Kusho, Tera no Fuji in Dai's show. Um, that was an amazing match. And that's probably the first time in a couple of years that I've watched a match that has literally had me out of my seat and like pacing my living room and making noise and probably upsetting my neighbors at a very horrible time of night watching that. It was a really great match. Um, Daisho had Tara Nofuji on the ropes. Daisho had beaten Tara Nofuji last Basho. Um, I think that was Tara Nofuji's only loss uh, that tournament. Uh, and Daisho looked like he was going to get it. And Tara Nofuji displayed um, tremendous Yokozuna power and strength and what you want to see out of a Yokozuna. I think he's going to be kind of an interregnum Yokozuna. I don't think he's going to last long. I don't trust his knees. Um, I would like to see him last long. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to at least be, hopefully he'll stick around long enough for them to find somebody else to be Yokozuna. Um, And that's going to be a few years. Um, If we get another Yokozuna by 2024, I am going to be impressed. Um, but that is some very quick thoughts on sumo. Um, and I will, I'll, I'll find a link for, um, Terra no Fuji and Daisho and I'll put that up on my Twitter feed. Um, and everybody can, can definitely check that match out. But yeah, now, now is the time to hop on the sumo train. Um, because there's a lot of change going on and it's actually a really good entry point to, uh, to get in on it. Okay. Right. Thank you for that. And, um, so yeah, so we'll wrap up then and say uh, if you want to go, if you want to give the Super J cast some uh, some money, it's uh, redcircle.com forward slash super dash J dash cast. Uh, if you want to help support the show, 
obviously Joel and Damon are the main guys that are here, but uh, on behalf of myself, Alan and uh, and Nicole as well, we thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you want to buy a t-shirt, it's cobrakawaii.com or pro wrestling tees forward slash super J cast. Thank you very much for listening. Listen, to, uh, check out the voices of wrestling podcast network for a load more great shows. And, uh, We'll see you next week, maybe.